Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast, and what do you know, it has been a Big Week in Gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 43 on Sunday the 9th of May 2021. As always, I'm joined by the official, official, P3 nominated and approved Xbox Hall of Famer and number one challenger to the mantle of the greatest Xbox RPG player in the world, Swinny. Hello. And I think someone has changed the run seat. And the trying to give up coffee drinking gamer, anti-gamer, and slightly less interrupter in chief, but certainly run sheet changer, Mike. Well, I, hi, first of all. Secondly, I did that last week. I didn't oh, touch okay. it this week. No. In this week's show, we'll be discussing Epic versus Apple. The court case kicks off and brings up some crazy leaks. Game Builder Garage is announced by Nintendo, and 10 things... That could have made Nia Replicant even better. As always, if you want to help us out, reach out to us on social media. We're available on Big Wig Pod pretty much everywhere. Uh, and we usually do respond to comments, especially for Assassin's Creed tier list uh, comments. <laughs> always for Assassin's Creed tier list <laughs> uh, Just two quick updates. Wonderboy Asher in Monster World launches on the 28th of May for PS4, Switch, 29th of June for PC, and we now know Square Enix and Bandai Namco, who are publishing Elden Ring, and Gearbox have joined the E3 2021 lineup, which is for the 12th to the 15th of June, which is like a month away. That's that's crazy. It feels like we only just got confirmation a month ago. Mm. <laughs> I like the build-up, but, you know, it, it, it's not a usual build-up, because once it's back in swing... Then, you know, people start talking about E3. It's like Christmas for gaming. It's like three months from E3, they start talking about it, banging on about it all the time. So, But I kind of like yeah. it just being a month or a month and a bit. Well, yeah, I mean, look, obviously people that needed to know that it was happening would have known earlier, but mm. still, I, yeah, it must be a bit of a mad rush to get like the coverage side of things ready for all this, so... Yeah, and I think especially with all the shenanigans around cyberpunk, you know, I think it really has changed the way that publishers are pushing out games. Like, they do seem really less willing to put out a game that's a little bit more broken. Um, And And trailers that make false promises. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, Monster Hunter Rise, which I've been playing, I I guess I'll jump right into what I've been playing. Yeah, tell Um, us. (laughs) I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise a lot this week because it's like Switch. It's easy to just turn it on and off. Man, I love that game so much. Uh, for me, it's like game of the year so far. Wow. Um, I love it. It's it's so addictive. I've never really played Monster Hunter before and I totally understand the the loop that people talk about with the Monster Hunter games. Um, but the interesting thing about it is it didn't get negative coverage. It got really positive reviews, but the reality is the game wasn't finished when it got released. So with these free title updates, they're actually adding story and they're going to add in version 3.0 a new ending to the game. Which well, that's how World got its updates as well about that. So, But I think this is a little bit more substantial, like to the point where, because I, I haven't finished Monster Hunter Rise, people are like, it doesn't finish in a state that makes sense. And now that they're saying that they're actually going to put out more story content mm. and a new ending, I think, you know, people are looking at it going, mm, maybe they'll kind of go delayed a little bit and they're like we're just got to get it out by this time period 
for you know for the financial year and all these kind of things. And we'll it's possible it. with COVID, yeah, because it just we'll came out, after. so they probably got impacted. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, it's, does it still feel like it's a, it's a good solid game? Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. And that, that's, that's the way to cool. do it. That's the way to do it. If you're going to do it, break it up sensibly, and then release it for free. Don't charge it as DLC. Um, but the game works, and it looks amazing. It looks like so much better than almost any other Switch game out there. And outside of that, I've been playing a hell of a lot of Dark Souls. I got nice. up to S'more and Catface. Boy, Smell and Ornstein. Ornstein. There's so many different ways to say smell, smooth, smog, smog. I say, I say smog. I say oh, smell. Okay. I say what did I say? S'more. S'more. S'mores. Uh, it's, uh, he, look, he does look like a giant marshmallow, to be fair. I, so. I hate that. Like, it's not that it's like impossible or anything. I, I played it maybe three times, the boss. Okay. The bosses. It's one of the toughest ones. It is tough. And it's just like, it's just, it was just annoying. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm in a pretty good grindy spot, you know, with all of the black knights and everything around the place or silver knights, mm. I think. Sorry. Um, so, and I really want to get the, what is it? The dark knight halberd or the black knight halberd? I can't remember. Well, black the black, knight. the black knight halberd, you can, I thought you said you'd already got it. I've got it, but I can't wield it. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you need more yeah, strength. Good, good. So I started grinding up that. I'm like nine levels away or something for um, strength. And then I realized I'll be fat rolling. So I need to then up put my no, wait, uh, you can endurance. Put the ring on. Oh, so, trust me. I've had the ring on the whole time. Oh, you've had it too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude. Damn. I, I, I have stone armor. <laughs> oh, well, that's, you know what? You know yeah, what, though? I, I, there's no point. You don't, I would, you don't need that crazy armor. Yeah, I would. I would uh, start looking at some alternative armor. Really? Why? Well, so it's number one wasn't quite. Uh, there is that term. Uh, what's the term, Swinny, that I'm, I'm looking for? Uh, uh, it's, I don't know. <laughs> fashion souls. That's the one. It, yeah, it's but not as do- applicable in number one as it is in some of the other games. Like number three, it is literally fashion souls. You can wear whatever you want because it makes jack shit of a difference. Um, but in number one, it makes some difference, but you don't need to go all the way to the max. Like the, it's diminishing returns, I think. No, well, the way it feels. The, see, the way I would say it is that you essentially need to. I think you need to balance more for offense. Yes. But mm. the thing is, there's certain bosses where it makes sense to tank up, That's and true. it's okay to, to fat roll. And there's a certain boss Can, that, yeah. that you will get to in the future. Whereas if you're playing as a purely strength build, for instance, um, tanking up against this boss will probably make it way easier but um see when i'm playing as like a dex character i'm going i'm i'm under like 25 percent the whole time yeah, yeah same um, i so, played under 25 percent the whole time yeah. so to the clarify it's a bit under it's like oh my god why did this game feel so slow <laughs> <laughs> to clarify i'm playing like under 50 but I'm like always at the limit of like near fifty. Okay, so that's yeah. not that's normal roll. Yeah, that's not yeah. fat. Roll. Yeah, no, no. But what roll. I'm saying is, yeah. if I equip the, is it the Dark Knight Halberd or is it the Black Knight Halberd? I always forget. Well, it's Black Knight. Black, Black Knight Halberd. If yeah. I equip it, then it will push me over the fifty percent mark. So yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm so saying. You need a bit more endurance. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I started grinding up the strength, and then I'm like, oh man, now I need to grind up the endurance. No, as what well. I my suggestion there is to then find some. Some armor that's gonna drop yeah. below. Yeah, or just change your helmet to like a lighter helmet or something. Or yeah. you know, you, you can upgrade. Obviously, you can upgrade your armor as well. So I've I don't done know if that. You've been doing it, I've okay? Because I've just been running around with mostly silver knight and a mishmash of other stuff. 
Yeah, that seems like a good middle ground, I find. It's got good for, lightning protection. So Yeah, it protects against a whole bunch of things, averagely, um, and pump that up a little bit with a mix of... Uh, well, honestly, in the end, I just mixed it up to whatever looked the best and kept it under 25. <laughs> I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I'll look at it. I'll look at it. I'll, I thought the Silver Knight armor would push me past 25 anyway with the halberd, but I'll double check that. It'll um, probably definitely push you past 25. Oh, you, yeah. you shouldn't be you shouldn't be aiming for under 25 with a Black Knight halberd. That's not that kind of build. It's more oh, like you okay. need to be at least below 50, as you said. Yeah, no, no, but that's what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm controlling for. Yeah. But that's why it's like I can have the stone armor and be below 50. It's like, well, why not? You know, what's the negative to that? And for anyone that has no idea what we're talking about, when we say below 25, <laughs> yeah, well, below, 50, below 50, um, there's basically an equip load and you need to be 25% below your maximum equip load or 50% below, you know, there's the like fastest there's rolling thresholds that then control the speed of your, your, I guess, general movement as well as rolling. So And stamina regen, I think, as well in number one. From memory, Possibly, yeah, Possibly. maybe wrong, but I, I think so. Yeah, you forget after a while because you don't care anymore because you just play it, but because you're beating yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's not a perfect game or anything like that, but it, it is. Oh, I, I, I it, it is like balanced in the way that you know you, you can't just get away with. There's no free lunch in Dark Souls. No. Like if you do something, it will be a trade off. Unless you're a sorcery build. Yeah, pretty, I, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's never the way. I, I don't know. I just can't play like even mage that. or anything in these kind of games. Just I don't know something about magic just doesn't appeal to me. In the, it's in also it's, it's it's dare I say clunk clunky if you could call it that. It's not your typical. It, it's perfect for the game, but it's clunky the way it feels. Uh, look, trust me. If but for, I love using it as a as a alternative like way to experience the game. It's so much fun. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, it I did. I did a full fun. mage build through it. It's it's op in so many places. But yeah. it's just it's just like it's you have to play completely differently because mm. you you're stuck on the spot when you start casting. So you essentially have to. Oh. It's almost like a completely different spot. Well, yeah, you mm-hmm. have to think about the positioning completely. Exactly, differently. exactly. So yeah, that makes sense. Look, like I, I love the game. It's really fun. It's not a great dad game. And you guys don't have this issue, but no. it's very hard to like fit it in because I can't play it in any time mm. because, you know, I, it's a weird game as well because I feel like I need to actually focus a little bit on it. Um, oh, of course, yeah. Versus like, it feels like any other game I can just go whatever, you know. If I'm up against even like simple enemies, if I'm not like, yeah. you know, have some sense of concentration... I, I, you can just get screwed up so quickly on simple enemies. Even um, literally the basic enemies can yeah. still screw you up at the end of yeah, the game. I know. <laughs> well, the, the one thing that, you know, and I've realized even watching other YouTube videos on it, like stun locking and stuff like that, where you get a few, you're really weak enemies, but a few weak enemies hitting you out of sync, and then yep. you, like, can't get out. Like, you're going to die from, like, really simple enemies. So, yeah, it's a very cool game. It sucks in terms of, like, a dad life kind of thing. I don't, In a weird way... I probably should have played it on the Switch, even though that mm. is the inferior version. Definitely is the inferior version. Just the ability to just like so, pause it at any time is like, yeah. I'd probably be able to play it twice as much. Because um, mm. if I think about it, I'd probably put 15 hours into Monster Hunter Rise. And I probably and would that's have fine. Put, that's a 30. That's, you know. No, but I would have probably put all of that time into Dark Souls if it was yeah, on probably Switch. Would have. So. I, 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 clock, I clocked it as in. I got to the very end of the DLC having done, I think, pretty much everything else in the main game on the Switch. And it was fine. Yeah. The, only, the only reason I didn't continue with that is just point of reference. The moment I saw the 60, I'm like, oh, I want to stick to the 60 frames. But it, it's amazing on the Switch. Yeah. And once you kind of play it for, you know, 
less than 30 minutes, it's perfect. There's, you don't even start, you know, think about an alternative after that point. If, well, if there is a Switch Pro and it hits 60, I'm definitely oh, going to get it. Oh, I'll play it again. That I'll is, play it again. That is God tier. Sure. That's God tier. But so anyway, that's me. That's me. We've, so. we've, got a, we've got a whole segment in a couple of weeks about Dark Souls. Yeah, three okay. weeks. Three weeks <laughs> from now. Talk about it again then. In, three weeks from now. Okay, well, I'll in, be in. Yeah. <laughs> as part of get as part of game of some other year, it's it's our last nominee to cover. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So what have you been playing this so, week, Mike? So I'll just go next because this has probably been in recent memory the biggest drought I've had in gaming. I played Dark Souls for probably less than an hour <laughs> in total. So I'm actually sticking to my New Year's resolutions. Thank you very much. Yeah, by accident. So, but well, that, yeah, mostly by accident, I guess. Yeah, and. Yeah, so I've I've put in less than an hour probably into Dark Souls just to catch up again because I left it a while ago and I wanted to, to get back into it. And I started Paradise Killer on the Switch, which I bought ages ago uh, when it was on special and kind of went through my backlog of, of Switch games, not wanting to buy any new ones. And saw that, I'm like, hey, I really want to play this. And so far, it's really interesting. Really cool music, interesting premise. Uh, might Might do like a little mini featurette in the future one when I actually finish it. But it's a very interesting game. And that's it. So it's like an hour and a half of gaming this entire week. But you've you've bought Wait. games, haven't you? This week? Ooh. Uh I don't know if I did this week. No. I don't think I bought any this week. That's that's actually pretty shocking. Yeah. I know actually I know, right? I'm shocked yeah. as well. Like, it's the weirdest week in gaming I've had in a long there's no, time. There's no scams or schemes <laughs> no, that you're running. No, no Didn't games, get Resident nothing. Evil 8. I like how Resident Evil 8 no. came out, the biggest game. You know, could be a Game of the Year nominee. and we yeah, we're, not Romania, even, we're not even going to talk about it. We're not even going to play it. No. Well, we're, we can't, we're not going to play every single game that comes I out. I want to. I, I, but there's three I, of us. <laughs> I know. And look, I, I love Resident Evil. I love the previous one. But just, I know I'm not going to have time for it. So I didn't. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I ended up... Uh, to be to be open here, I ended up returning. Re- well, returning. I ended up selling Returnal because I couldn't. I didn't think I could return it because I traded games in for it. Um, what what uh, do you mind saying? How much did you sold it for? I think it was. It came up to like seventy one bucks or something for like which, the eBay sale price. Yeah, which is fine. Man, they got a steal. They probably got a steal. Actually, I probably yeah. would have bought yeah. it for, from you for seventy. Well, bucks. I think it also happened. Would have saved during, money for the. I probably should have just sold it too. Um, what I think also happened is it, it was during the time when uh, they had a, I think they had a sale on like a 15% off or something. So I wonder if other people were just buying new copies of it with the discount uh, from actual sell. I, I don't know. That's my stipulation. Mm. But anyway, kind of uh, that's enough of me. Let's, let's get on to, on to Swinney. Yeah, what have so, you been doing? So I are you finished. Doing? A- <laughs> are you doing, huh? I finished off a, <laughs> Finished off new replicant. Uh, this which week, is crazy. Which was, can which can is we awesome? Can we just pause and say how insane you are? So, in the whole world for Xbox players, you have you are basically ahead of, ahead of everyone for the near series. Is that a correct statement? Yes, as in the whole moment. world, in the as entire the world on Xbox. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I wasn't the first person to complete the game. I was like going off TA's no, three um, or something. <laughs> no, going off a uh, true achievements me- membership, I was like, there was like 20, 30 other people, but the uh, only... there's dozens of us, there's dozens, <laughs> but the Literally. two dozen, but the but I was the first person that had done 
the the thing here is the Japanese version of the original Nia. Ah. Um, not that many people have got that one done. So he's a true fan. Yeah, yeah well, he so, clearly he doesn't even. <laughs> anyway, well, he kind of slightly speaks Japanese. Yeah. Anyway, I've got quite a bit to get through. So yeah, um, I I finished Shut off up, Mike. The, yes, please. I finished that off, and I'll cover some very final thoughts when I go to intro our special segment, which is. 10 changes they could have made that could have made New Replicant even better uh, at the end of the show. So the other games I've been playing um, are kind of things I've just touched away, uh, like, you know, just little, little bits here and there. But um, I actually tried, uh, kicked off the Puzzle Quest 3 early access on uh, Android. So I'm like, oh, look, I'm finally going to give... Yeah, finally going <laughs> to give Puzzle Quest 3 a bit of a oi, shot. Oi. Um and I know that, you know, it's a very different game. It's a free-to-play game. It's gameplay is essentially very it's very different. And so far, I'm actually enjoying it. Um, it's one of the first mobile games that has, like, that I've played that has full graphic settings and frame rate settings and things like that. And I'm like, I haven't played anything like your Call of Duty mobiles or your Fortnite on mobile or anything like that. And I'm guessing they may have that stuff as well. Maybe it's a common thing these days. But to me, like when I play a mobile game, it's just like, okay, well, here it is. This is what it is, and you can't change anything. But I'm sitting mm. there being able to change it from 30 frames to 60 frames and up into ultra or, you know, lower graphic settings. I'm like, man, this is a mobile game. It's pretty wild. But it's actually, it's pretty fun. Um, so far, the free to play model hasn't interfered with any progression yet, but I'm pretty early on. Um, I understand, I went into it knowing that, look, Match three games, there's so many out there. Um, and even since Puzzle Quest came around, um, they, you know, they want to try something different because they've got the Gems of War series. I want to say they, it's Infinity Plus 2, the Aussie devs. And I think the way they've done it, um, where you basically have like two seconds to make as many matches as you can on your turn, um, and it's actually pretty fun. So I'll uh, probably, you know... When it, once I've gotten further into it, I'll talk a bit more about it in the future. Um, another game I've been playing that, honestly, just the whole time I was playing it, I had a massive smile on my face. And it was a bit of a, a, a great surprise this week is... Sextress. Sextress? <laughs> no. Is, you uh, read my mind. What the is, hell? <laughs> is, is Rain on Your Parade. So this game uh, is from... the alternative uh, title. The alternative yeah. title. It's from a developer known as Unbound Creations. From what I can see, it's a single dev, a Polish guy that's living in Seattle. And uh, it's really fun. Basically, you're a cloud that goes around screwing with people. Just, just you're an, you're, uh, you're an asshole cloud, basically. So I think of this, it's like another game in like the happy-go-lucky asshole genre. So think of like Katamari... Untitled Goose Game, yeah. Donut Donut County. It's in that vein, especially Donut County is very similar to the structure of that, um, where you're just going around and you're just like, like you're a cloud. So you go above like oil and you turn into an oil cloud, and then you can like set everything on fire. And the whole That's time, awesome. the whole time, the cloud's got this like really che- cheesy grin on its face. It's really cute. It's really funny. Um, it's on Game Pass, so you can give it a shot for essentially for free if you have Game yeah, cool. Pass yeah. on console and PC. So I really recommend it so far. And just, just just quickly on that, it is actually interesting that there aren't more games like that. Because if you think about games that allow you to role play 
the amount of people that, you know, go on, what do they call it? Renegade runs and all that kind of stuff yeah, where yeah. you're just blowing shit up, killing people left, right and center, civilians, all this other stuff. Like, it feels like that's actually, there's a gap in the market, I think. For, like, games that are just, like, go real deep into that stuff. Like, how can you be the biggest arsehole possible? Yeah, and they they poke fun at that whole thing about the fact that you're playing a cloud that's just doing this because they just want to essentially shit on people. Like, they, they actually, <laughs> Sounds like, like my kind of game. <laughs> it's actually, it's pretty funny. It's got some good references as well so far, so. Cool. Um, and the last game I'll, I'll mention is, um, so I actually pre-ordered this digitally. <laughs> Right. Okay. I don't generally I don't generally mm, pre-order this doesn't digital sound like games. You. Chemco. It is the latest Chemco release. Sorry, there's many things to call out. Number one, Chemco. And he has a go at me about like business coverage and all this other stuff. And then why would you why would you pre-order a digital game? I just I've yeah. never understood why anyone does that. It's because it pre-installs it. Oh, I so see I I knew that would get people. When they started doing that. I was like, mm. man, people are going to get sucked into this okay. digital pre-order stuff. But Fair the thing enough. is, I was going to buy it straight away on the release day anyway. So I was like, well, I might as well just get it now so it's installed. So, But let's also be clear. Your internet is like, what do you have? Like 200 down or something I like that? I could download this game instantly. <laughs> like, <it's> like <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. That doesn't make uh, sense. It's only like one and a half gigs. But I'm like, I might as well just get it. And <laughs> I, then I could also say I pre-ordered a digital campaign. Well, how fast <laughs> is your internet connection? Um... A thousand down. A thousand down. <laughs> so it's like, even if it came, he wouldn't even need it. Because they're not even, how yeah, big are take, these games? They're not they're, even probably huge it's like games, one, are it's, they? It's one and a half games. Oh so my God. It would take about 15 seconds <laughs> to download. So <laughs> let's just be clear to everyone. I digitally pre-ordered it so I could say 15 seconds. <laughs> oh my God. You and Kemco games. I swear to God, you, you've got Kemco tattooed on your butt. And the O is your... (laughs) (laughs) But can I just say, you're actually doing a good thing for Chemco because they always look at those stats, pre-order stats and everything like that. I'm probably the only person in the world that did it. (laughs) There's dozens of us again. Again, dozens, Um, yes. So the annoying thing, I went to play it and I I also get a bunch of the add-ons when they do it um, because I'm just... um, I I, I play these games, obviously... I, I enjoy the experience, but I'm like, not playing them for the story. It's a guilty so, pleasure. You're their it's target a guilty market. You're yeah. like their perfect customer. But for once, they haven't made the add-ons live yet. But they've Did been dropping pre- the Can ball. you pre-order them? Can you pre-order them? <laughs> you can't pre-order the, oh. that DLC. No. Oh. I like, so there's no season pass. <laughs> they missed an opportunity. Yeah, go season pass. I should mention what the game is. It's called Chroma... <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's called Chroma... Quit- what? Quit- no, like, Quit- all right, all right. I'm going to give you. Chroma Clitoris. I'm going to give you guys. Golden uh, Chroma Glass. Di- no, I shouldn't. I've say just it. posted the name. I want one of you guys to pronounce it. All right, you go. You have a. You have a. You have a go, Mike, at pronouncing the name. Uh, Chroma Quaternion. 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 That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I'm not even going to have a go because that's good. Um, and it's on. it's from EXE Create, so for anyone that knows Kimco Games, it's another EXE Create game. So, um, but yeah, I'm keen to jump into that once they make the add-ons live. So, but they've been dropping the ball recently, Kimco. They've like, you know, what was that other game that you were playing, and it was you know 100 hours or whatever it was. Oh, it wasn't 100 hours. It was just 
much harder than the normal ones. Uh, mm. That was um, as Divine Cross. So the last shaking it up on released. you, man. They're shaking it up on yeah. you. Yeah. Anyway, that's for me. That's all from a gaming perspective. Yeah. Um, but the I guess the other call out I wanted to do this week was um, honestly the, some news shattered me this week. Uh, that's not a joke. Like I I am a huge fan of Giant Bomb mm-hmm. um, mm. and. Essentially, this week they announced uh, that, you know, the sad news that three of the key people from the site um, are leaving. So, Vinny Caravella, Brad Shoemaker, and Alex Navarro, well, they have left now. Um, And, man, it kind of killed me. And a lot of people um, that, you know, like, there's a very much loved gaming site and gaming, I guess, like, media outlet um, across the industry. You know, when you got people like... Phil Spencer calling, you know, calling them out and and kind of, you know, being sad at the news as well, um, as well as, you know, like Polytron and things like that. It's, man... Oh, they're massive. They're massive. Like, I don't yeah. know them, but I know they're massive. Yeah, and the thing is, for anyone who doesn't know what Giant Bomb is, look, they are a game's website, but they're a, what they, I guess, we'd call like a personality-based content. Yeah. So they're not... It's not like traditional games journalism... Although they, most of them come from that, like a lot of them come original, you know, originally they came from GameSpot and things like that. Um, mm. So essentially it's, they were almost kind of ahead of the curve in terms of what a lot of internet content would move towards, such as like your streamers and YouTube and Twitch and all that, where it's the personality of the people that you're actually watching the content for and listening because they're, you know, being in the podcast space. Um, so that's why it especially sucks because you kind of, you know, you you grow to you know really connect with these people, mm. and the these three people, so Vinny, Brad, and Alex, are um, have been around with the site. So Vinny and and Brad essentially joined just after the site was founded, and Alex a couple of years later. And so it's a, it's a huge loss. So the site's not shutting down or anything like that, but um, it is. It's essentially. It's going to be a completely different site now, and uh, the founder Jeff Gertzman is sticking around as uh, as are uh, Janet Choa, Jason A. Stroke, and Matt Rory, the other members of the crew as well. Mm. Um, but the news follows on from recent departures over the last eighteen months, like Dan Reichert left in January last year, Abby and Ben left in the last uh, six months as well. So it's a lot of this look. I'm not going to get into, you know, the reasons why maybe this stuff happened because there's enough people out there doing that and, I, you know, they've, they've said, hey, look, don't be internet detectives around this stuff. You know, sure, it may have had something to do with the fact that um, a lot of CBS interactive properties like CNET, GameSpot, GameFQs and Giant Bomb got sold off six months ago. But the point is that, look, you know, they use this week as a way to celebrate everything um and it's just look as a as a fan it just it sucks but i read a really good comment um on the giant uh giant bomb reddit where someone's like the cheers era is over here's, <laughs> awesome. here's to the fraser era of giant bomb that's cool that's so cool. um and i guess for or, that or it you, could be the joey era <laughs> yeah the joey yeah no um <laughs> But, like, you've got, for instance, Daniel Dwyer from Noclip. You know, he's a regular guest on the show, on the, the Bombcast uh, every week, and he's confirmed on the Noclip Patreon that he's actually going to be doing more content with Giant Bomb. And, then you know, he's not joining full-time, but um, that's good. And the fact that, you know, they'll probably do a lot more work with GameSpot directly because they're under the same umbrella. So just for me, I just want to just talk about the fact that, look, it's 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 something that just really, really sucked. But at the same time... 
you know, then it means that potentially we might get some new stuff cropping mm, up mm. and be able to watch those people in other places. And, and just to put it in like some other context, because I'm not a giant bomb listener or anything like that, but I mean, you know, the, the main podcast is up to episode 684. Crazy. Which, yeah. you know, and we're, we're doing all right. We're up to episode 43, 43. But it just gives you the context of how long this stuff's been going on for. And mm. I don't understand where people are coming from with the guys moving on. It's like... Most people, if I look at your LinkedIn, most people are leaving every three to four years to different yeah. employers, right? Hmm. Some of these guys have been around for 13 years. Yes. So, And they the they had the last Beast cast, so that was that ended at episode 311. Yeah. So I, they're, I you know, the second uh, big podcast they have. So. I feel like it, it's different to the general employee, though, because these guys are the voice, in a way, and face of the site sure. to a large extent, right? So people... People don't necessarily go to Giant Bomb just because it's Giant Bomb. They go there because it's these guys that are doing it, right? Yeah. So it's interesting compared to the average person who, you know, changes jobs in a regular job every two, three years. Not not a huge impact, right? Sure. Sure. But even even when you're looking at media, TV shows, hosting shows, all that kind of stuff, they usually change up every eight years or so. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's not surprising. So they've had a massively good run. So definitely. Yeah, it's uh, and the the thing is, you know, there's there's always the old content to watch as well, um, and there's a lot of it. There is a lot of it. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I just couldn't get into it, and I, <clears throat> I think part of it's just because, in, in a good way, uh, and you know, hopefully something we can build over time. But it felt almost very clicky. Like you have to be mm. an insider and get the in jokes. Like it just felt like there's so many in jokes in the podcast. Ah, it's hard to get into it unless you were there from the beginning. There is, but there's also there's inroads there. Like you know, I I was a listener for about eight years. You know, I wasn't listening from the beginning, and once you start to kind of understand who these people are, yeah, um, you know, like even just you know, like I said, Jeff Gertzman's staying around. Like he's one of the most knowledgeable people about video games I've ever mm. listened to. Um, oh yeah, I totally agree. And, I have so much respect for that guy. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, once you start to understand where these people are coming from and, you know, I don't, didn't certainly didn't agree with a lot of what they used to think over the years, but um, it's just like anything. Sometimes stuff clicks with you. Sometimes, you know, it takes mm. longer or it just doesn't. You know? And to be fair, I, you know, I don't think we'll suffer from that because we're not funny. So there are no really. <laughs> Inside jokes for us nothing, to worry about. And we know nothing about video games. Oh, we know nothing about video games, so not a problem we're going to face. That's why we're always correcting things. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the first bit of news, and it's a it's a big one. So, Epic versus Apple. The court case finally kicked off. Um, so, there was a massive showdown between Epic and Apple, and just like we'll, we'll kind of run through uh, the court case in this segment. Uh, if you're watching it as via video, there's going to be two segments, but... Essentially, we'll run through the court case and then just the amount of crazy stuff that came out of it that ne- isn't necessarily to do with the court case itself, but it's just either through mistakes in terms of, you know, what was disclosed or just, you know, insights that we've got around gaming. Um, so in terms of the court case, just to remind everyone, it really centers around the Sherman Act. So it's around uh, anti-competitive behavior. And this was all established uh, around the monopolies on oil and then the railways and just really trying to pull f- pull together a framework of, you know, you can't have a company that is monopolistic and then exercises its power so then the consumer is harmed. Because there is a logic to if you own everything, then you can charge whatever price you want, and that's very unfair. And you'll see that that comes up through the, the trial around, 
you know, does Apple even care about its pricing? Has it looked at its pricing? What happens if it changes the pricing? Uh, you know, trying to drive this wedge around its monopolistic behavior or potential monopolistic behavior. In terms of the opening statements, so just with Epic, and it's really cool. You can actually uh, jump on and grab the uh, PowerPoints for the opening statements uh, for Epic and Apple. So I actually read through them all. In terms of Epic, you know, really their whole narrative is trying to build this narrative around, you know, Apple building a walled garden. And basically from the start, you know, they used a lot of quotes from Steve Jobs and emails, like internal emails around they're trying to create a situation from the start of the iPhone where people get in and they cannot get out. And if you're in and you can't get out, then you're exercising your monopoly within that scenario where you can just do whatever you want. You know, that's where Epic is trying to build that case around it being anti-competitive and being monopolistic. Um, And the other one that they're trying to drive a wedge is they don't do this for the Mac. So what's the difference? And is the Mac not secure? Because all the arguments that Apple's placing around security and all these other things, you know, in their own advertising and marketing, Apple are saying the Mac is as secure as the iPhone. So then the question becomes, well, why don't you run it like the Mac? You know, why are you doing it other than being a monopoly or, you know, doing being an anti-competitive? In terms of Apple, uh, you know, they're really coming out and saying, well, we entered the market. The market standard is 30% from a take rate. They didn't invent that, which is true. Uh, you know, it is very common that 30% is the number across many of these companies. You talk about Steam, you know, Nintendo, PlayStation, etc. Um, and then basically their wall garden has kept the store very secure and <clears throat> compared to other manufacturers, very kind of virus free. So they're, they're the sort of opening statements for the both companies in terms of, you know, the, the key points. And I should say, like, if you want, you know, to go really deep on the, the court case, I've watched all the videos, but I'd check out Hoaglaw. It's a, there's basically a, an, an entertainment uh, attorney in the States who he actually like goes in depth about everything to do with video games and the law. It's really, I like this stuff. I love this kind of stuff. It's really, really fascinating. So Alternatively, he, I think it's also featured on Bob Loblaw's Loblog. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, yes. So, yeah, some of the... He's lying. He's lying. <laughs> some, of the, some of the key things that have, like, come up through, through the trials, just, you know, the judge. And it's always interesting when the judge is asking these questions because it starts to go to their reasoning. Um, you know, asked about... You know, how is Apple doing anything different than the console manufacturers, which is true. They're doing the same thing. And, you know, even Epic says that that's the case. The the challenge there is, from a legal perspective, the law doesn't care about your business model. So for the consoles, it makes sense. It's a, you know, razor and blades model. They sell either at a loss or very deep discount uh, the consoles to then make the money on the software. But the law doesn't care about that. So the law will interpret the iPhone, which is at a premium, and the console is the same thing. Um, also, you know, the judge seemed quite upset or angry or annoyed at Apple because this whole lawsuit, they could have kept uh, Fortnite up on the store and then held all the money in escrow and Epic could have sued Apple. So they, they, you literally could still have Fortnite on the store, you still have this court case, and then determine, like, based on the determination of the court case, the money goes to whatever parties, however the judge decides. So, you know, I think that has now fully eliminated any consumer harm that Apple has, quote-unquote, done. 
because the judge is basically like, you could have kept it up. Like you, you didn't need to remove it and you've just done that as a bit of a ploy. Mm. So it, that that's quite fascinating really because basically it means Epic's been hurt by this and hasn't really gained anything from it because the judge is not going to use that as part of her reasoning, it seems, based on, on what she's saying. Uh, Sweeney, like, I don't know if you know, you guys follow Tim Sweeney much, who's the CEO of Epic. He's been there from the start. He literally coded uh, Unreal, like the game Unreal before it became the Unreal Engine almost. That's Um, Unreal. (laughs) You know, he's obsessed about the metaverse. So, and Mike would like this kind of stuff. So, you know, he, he really does imagine there's a future where there's, you know, a mix between reality and virtual reality, like AR, but like, it's a bit deeper than that. Um, and he looks at that as the next sort of, you know, next huge thing, you know, the next mobile phone type of thing. Um, and he looks at it also that there's, you know, only going to be two or three winners in that space. And it does seem very much like he is trying to figure out a way to position Epic as one of the winners in the space. And it then really actually makes you understand things like the Epic Game Store, why are they doing it? Well, they want to become a platform for that next sort of metaverse in his words, uh, and then they're f- therefore more than happy to lose or like invest a lot of money in it to try to be one of the big platforms, like be the steam for the metaverse, uh, which is pretty massive. Um, yeah, I think the judge, based on some of the questioning, does seem very concerned that if she does make a determination on any part of this space, like in our purchases, let's just say that you're allowed to have another payment gateway for, you know, microtransactions or something like that there doesn't seem to be a way that it could be determined where that that wouldn't mean PlayStation, Nintendo and Xbox also need to open up. And then any of those kind of platforms in the world, like in, sorry, the US, um, which would have massive consequences. So I think that that's a big loss or big, you know, negative for Epic's case. Uh, You know, it was quite interesting. She keeps on asking about kids because, you know, kids play Fortnite and she does seem very concerned about kids you know, spending money on Fortnite and even kind of said, isn't having a bit of friction in the process a good thing? Mm. So yeah, again, not very great for Epic's case. Um, the, you know, and, and probably the last thing that I'll just call out here is that, you know, the judge also seems very perplexed about Apple's approach to what is and isn't on the store. And the the situation came up about xCloud and you can see that Microsoft's being really sneaky, but kind of clever about what they're doing here. Uh, they had their exec, uh, Laurie Wright, who uh, test- testified. And I went through some of the actual transcript. I-, I feel like a lot of it was like actually incorrect. And Apple's already lodged something to the judge to say that, you know, her evidence is basically wrong. Um, and, you know, her testimony is wrong. And it's pretty severe, like, to do that. So basically, you know, she's saying... The Apple, uh, so like the App Store versus, you know, the Xbox Store, they don't compete against each other in the gaming space. Now, I don't know how that that's at all possible because you can spend money on Fortnite, on the App Store or on Xbox, and there's many games that are like that. Um, and there's just like a lot of things she said where the Xbox has never made a profit on any console. Is that actually correct? Like, I'm sure if you look at the later generation consoles that were released, they probably did make a profit on those. She, I don't know. She just seemed very flippant. She didn't actually uh, submit her evidence prior. And she l- literally went back to the court and said, I didn't know I needed to. It just felt very clunky. It was very, very strange. Um, but it did then get to the point around 
xCloud and then the judge was basically like, why can I have Netflix? You don't have separate apps to watch all the different movies on Netflix. Why do I need a separate app for every game on xCloud? Mm. And and I think like this is a huge thread. So just like in terms of next steps, the case is probably going to run three to four weeks. We're not going to cover it every week, obviously. We'll probably do another like clip at the end of the case. And then it's probably going to be a short judgment. Like it might take like a month or so to do the judgment. Um, like the judge themselves has already said she fully expects the case to be appealed and probably successfully appealed no matter how she judges it. Um, and it's about, it's two courts away from the, the Supreme court of the USA. Right. Uh, I, I think the way it would play out is if Apple wins, it'll probably get appealed successfully. They'll look at it and then they'll probably hold it up. I think if, Epic wins because that's a big impact to the whole economy. I, I'd say it'd be going to the Supreme Court if if Epic wins and then that holds up in the next higher court. Um, and then the last one is just just all the threads that the judge is talking about. I do wonder if Microsoft will sue Apple um, because you know everything the judge is saying is a very senior judge. You know it feels very much like it's almost like a slam dunk case for Apple not allowing XCloud onto the iPhone. Um, just because they're just like, well, it does. It's not consistent. It's not consistent to have Netflix, Spotify, and you don't have separate songs or separate things on your device, but yet you're not allowing Microsoft to do the exact same thing, which mm. seems to not really make sense. Given given that they have content moderation, that's very strong. So, but considering that's almost like a. I don't know if it's it's like a side thing to this case. Could that actually? Could this case actually impact that? the future of that in that regard because like well, would that have to be a separate not case? not not from a legal perspective yeah. because that's not the question that's at hand yeah um so it has no impact like zero impact at all but it may mean that apple apple's already trying like i think apple already understands that they don't have much room to stand on because the other thing that came out in the case and we'll probably move on to the next segment shortly is that apple's actually been helping microsoft get xCloud working on Safari on the iPhone. Huh. So, it, 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 like, to me, that's telling me that Apple kind of looks at it and goes, we better help them a bit or else if they sue us, we have, we're just going to be screwed. So they need to have some defendable ground. They need to be able to say, no, no, we've helped them. We helped them get it working on Safari and rah, rah, rah. And... Man, the games industry is weird sometimes. <laughs> well, business well, is weird, man. Yeah, Big games business industry, is weird. the business industry. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like some shit that I've seen where it's like the worst enemy and you're working with them because it's like strategically it makes sense and there's no emotion in business. Apart from the thing is, the weird thing is when you have a company like Epic where you have a guy like Tim Sweeney who has so much control of Epic that it can be emotional. Like he tweets... And they've quoted the tweets in the court case. Like, his random tweets just as an individual, like a random person that just reached out to him. They've quoted it in the court case. So, yeah, it's, it's quite fascinating. They're and the one figure at that point. The one other thing I just wanted to quickly mention is that there's an Australian federal court case. Um, and I found out that it's actually in Sydney where they're hosting it. So I'll definitely go if they kick it off again. They've had a stay on that case uh, pending the outcome of the US trial. So Epic and Apple have both agreed that they, you know, so it's at least three months that they won't uh, do that trial, uh, sorry, court case. Um, so we'll see where that lands because they might withdraw it depending on the outcome. 
So was there anything else we wanted to mention just about this case? Look, we'll get to what some of this led into in a second, but just the fact that they, when they kicked it off and they didn't know how to like handle the fact that people would dial in and people could also <laughs> speak. And so yeah. you had gamers dial in go through Fortnite and just like no, all this other stupid stuff. And it's like, Man, what a what a circus combined with all these leaks that we're about to get into. What yeah, a, what a week. What a I, week. look. I I don't think the judge can't, like this is a massive case. This is like in terms of legal cases, probably the biggest case for the year for the US. So it's a massive case. It's a very important case. Actually, I'm an idiot. Of course, Derek Chauvin uh, is the biggest case of the year. Then that's already happened. He's found guilty. Um, but yeah, like from a business perspective, this is certainly the biggest case. Uh, and I don't know, just going through it so far, it's one of those ones where Epic certainly has a chance. I think the only, the only defend, the, the most realistic outcome, I think the best outcome for Epic is that the judge decides that 30% is too much for in-app purchases because they're starting to touch on the evidence around in-app purchases because just for, from a technical perspective, to do in-app purchases, you actually need to use Google's, sorry, Apple's proprietary APIs. But as you know, Epic's already shown they put a alternative payment process in and worked just exactly the same. So you know they're just saying like you don't need that. They're only doing that to then say that you need it, which they've already proven that you don't. I, I could imagine the judge might go thirty percent is too much. I, I, I don't know. Like the judge could literally say it should be twenty percent. And that's this is it. what I'm wondering. The judge might say that, but ultimately what happens to the consumer? Will will the price of games on the store go up a bit to make up for the difference? Do you think it'll stay the same? Like ultimately what what's the, the benefit to the consumer? Like, okay, Apple is 10%. Uh, you could argue that Epic in this case would gain 10%, but are the well, consumers still going to pay the same amount or do they have to pay extra to cover Apple's loss? Yeah, well, I mean, but like, so you, I'm curious about in the if end. you go back, like, you know, Epic actually put a discount on all their V bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's but it's all funny money, right? Like, microtransactions are all funny money because you take yeah, real money into fake currency, and then the prices within the fake currency can also change. Huh. It's like you know eBay sales, but look, cool. I, I think like economically, if you look at the history of people, uh, cost goes down to zero. Cost always trends down to zero. There's there's market pressure on making cost nothing. So if you think about distributing your words across the world would have cost like millions of dollars a hundred years ago. Now it's almost nothing. Like we record this and post it for free and we don't pay for any of the hosting. Like it's crazy these days, right? So cost always trends to zero. I think given that Apple is one of the richest companies in the world, Yes, the iPhone is probably the most successful product of all time. They are leveraging and exercising, you know, somewhat of a monopoly to get, you know, excessive profits. I, I, you know, they themselves, like the other thing in the court case was they actually said that they don't expect it to stay at a 30-70 split. Like within a few years of the app store, they're like- The industry, I mean, the whole industry will change. Yeah. And especially in their world, they're just like, look, Mm. we, we need to prepare for the change. Well, we're already seeing it. So not only did we talk about last week that the Windows Store, Microsoft uh, have cut that down, the take they are yeah. putting as part of these documents that came out, I believe it's pretty much almost confirmed that they're planning to do that for the Xbox console as well. No, 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 they're not. You sure? Yeah, yeah. So they spoke about that. They spoke about that. 
And they said at this stage they're not looking at anything. Like that's what they testified that they said they're not looking at okay. changing that. Because wasn't wasn't there, weren't there documents that came out that said otherwise? So maybe internally they've spoken about it, but like as far as the testimony for the case, they said they're not looking at changing okay. that. All right, and I don't think they would because, I, like, the only way that they would do that is because you know they're making more money on Game Pass, so then it becomes a competitive advantage to actually discount. And try to bring more people into okay. Xbox. So what it was, sorry, it was that they explored dropping it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so it wasn't planned, but it was the fact that they did explore it. So that's what it was. Yeah, and you know what? To be honest, though, like it's always tough in a court case because, like, a lot of companies I've worked at, we look at crazy stuff. Like, hey, what if we bought this company, or what if we did this? We're, like, it might be like one percent that we're actually being serious, but then it makes it sound more serious than it is. Um. Yeah, look, like, I love this kind of stuff. This this is, like, forget about Resident Evil 8. Like, this is my Resident Evil 8. <laughs> like, these court cases are so cool. The, the, last, the last thing I'll say about this is that if, in a, case, in a situation where Epic is the victor here, I can just see... Because then that, that policy of, okay, alternative payment methods surely has to be available to anyone, right? In yeah. that case... I could just see they're getting so messy from a from a you know I guess a consumer um, experience perspective of where oh, you've yeah, got definitely. every single app doing their own different process and some of them could be insecure and obviously it wouldn't take long for that to get taken down but suddenly you've got lots of cases where these dodgy apps are scamming people because they're having to go through their own proprietary payment methods so it just yeah. I think it has such a potential for a, like to be bad for the consumer in that regard. So. Yeah, I mean, but look at it this way. That's how the internet works. If I go onto an e-commerce site and buy something, it's all whatever payment platform that they want to use and how they want to use it. So, Yeah, but I think the difference to me is that um, a lot of that stuff I think is like, I'm thinking of like um, kids and stuff and more so yeah. on, on tablets and phones and apps. As opposed to jumping on on stores online, I know that would happen, but yeah. I just think it has much more potential from that side. So. Totally agree, totally agree. And uh, like, look, and I don't want to be too judgy, but I can't imagine saying to my boys, "Oh, yeah, you just you know buy whatever you want on the stores." Like, here's my credit card. Like, that seems people do it. It's kind of I don't know. It's nuts to me. I don't get it. I don't want to judge people, but yeah, like, yeah, I, I totally agree with your point though, and that's what the judge was saying. Like. You know, isn't a bit of friction make sense? Like, you know, do you really want to make it that easy for mm. people to do this kind of stuff? Um, look, I think it's very unlikely that Epic will win because you know, Epic are going, we want to have an alternative store on the iPhone. Like they want to have Epic Game Store on the iPhone, right? Mm. I don't see any universe where that, that, that would shock me. That would absolutely shock me if the judge forced that situation. I just think the whole point around in-app purchases and the percentages I can see the judge saying, like, look, you know, you need to either offer an alternative for people or reduce your take rate to something else, like 12% or 20% or something like that. I could see that happening, like, just based on what they're saying now, which would be crazy. Um, so, yeah, that would be interesting. Keeping an eye on it. But like I said, unless something really major happens, I, I think we'll probably cover it at the end of the trial and just do, like, a wrap-up. Um but let's, let's get on to the next segment, which is about the leaks. So 
like a funny quirk of this trial is obviously you do have a lot of evidence coming out of the Epic versus Apple trial. And unfortunately, the the court uh, had mishandled a lot of the evidence <laughs> and the information. Well, that's, you know, that's what it is. Um, and insanely enough, actually published a whole bunch of extremely confidential, like trade secret information on the public box, which is like Dropbox, and people obviously just consumed it straight away. And you could just download it all. I downloaded it like when it was available. And then they'd realized the error given, I think they had a dozen companies contact them, the court, urgently to say, you know, you've, you've put up, you know, like absolutely confidential information, like information. that's like not even meant to just be redacted and put up. It's not even meant to be up. It's, you know, trade secret information that's. It's insane. It is it's insane. It's, it's crazy. Like, some of the things here are just like, even if it, some of it's not harmful, it's just like egg, complete egg-in-your-face stuff. Yeah. And, man, like, how do you screw that up so bad? Yeah. It's just... Oh, and we should say, I should say quickly, some of the stuff here actually is a part of the evidence. Some of it isn't. So I, we're not going to make a distinction, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that came out um that's just so interesting you know and like maybe we'll kick it off uh with epic game store so like you know i love epic game store everyone shits on it i think it's great giving us free games i'm actually like shocked at how little money they had to spend to get Mm -hmm. the free games for you know we're talking about a nine month period of time but it was like 12 million bucks that seems too cheap. Of, well, of the cheap. games that we know, there are some that they... Mm. Of the ones us. that they showed in that yeah, nine-month yeah, period, right? Yeah. Starting with Subnautica. But I'll just say like this, Winnie, that like when this popped up, because I was like on Twitter when this was all getting leaked out and, you know, people actually were like, is this fake? Because it's too small. Like the number's are way too low. But it turns out, no, this is the number because they spoke about it in the court trial as well. Hmm. I think like for me, I look at that and I go, if you want to try to be a competitor to Steam... That's a cheap price to pay if you have the money to bankroll it. And given, you know, we know now know how much money Epic's making because of Fortnite, it is billions, like I think it was $9 billion at its peak for a year. It's like an insane amount of money. $12 million is nothing. It's yeah. literally a rounding error. And, like, to me, I was more interested in the fact that, um, you know, they talk about Borderlands 3. So... That was exclusive for six months on the Epic Game Store, and at the time, everyone was super pissed off about it because Portland <laughs> yeah. Three was a you know people it was a very anticipated game. Yeah, and people hate certain people who help make Borderlands Three, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of people that you know don't care about that stuff and just want oh, yeah, another sure. Borderlands. Sure, sure. So, and they spent 146 million to get that exclusive for six months. Um, but the the kicker here is that they you know. During that period, that six month period, a hundred was one point five six million people used the store to play Borderlands three, and fifty fifty six percent of those people were brand new to the platform. So, just essentially, you know, now sure, not everyone's going to go and then buy other stuff, but then you've basically just got a massive influx of people to add to your um, your Fortnite people to then that are more likely probably than a lot of Fortnite people to actually purchase full retail games oh yeah definitely you know so but that is i mean that is a lot of money but um i didn't i can't remember exactly what it was but you know they disclosed all the the actual you know 
the financials around that. And, yeah. you know, it seemed like it did make sense for them and work out, but it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's a lot of money. Well, it's, it's effectively a um, $80 million bet because one of the components of the contract, so there's marketing and all that kind of stuff. So you could argue it's a $115 million bet, but, you know, some of it's marketing. So the way that you treat that's totally different from a legal perspective and a financial perspective, but they gave uh, Gearbox, right? Borderlands 3? Yeah. They gave Gearbox $80 million guarantee. Like if it sells nothing, we will give you 80 million bucks, just bang, straight from the start. And you could totally understand Gearbox going, yeah, we're going to do this exclusive deal. Hmm. Like, we, like cash flow is king in this business. And just going, okay, you've got the money. Like, who knows if it's going to sell well or not. And they recouped, like, the $80 million within weeks, uh, Epic Games. Because essentially it's like, here's $80 million, we'll take the money. And then once it goes over a level, you'll start getting money from it as well. Um, it was a good deal, man. Like they did really well. I, w- I was like surprised at how popular Borderlands Three is. Borderlands Two was massive, man. Like no, but they had a chart. Like so, they did um, a blind survey of Epic Game Store users and said, "What games are you interested in?" So it randomized to certain users, and Borderlands Three was more popular than like Last of Us Part Two. Like more people were looking forward to that, or like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Which I was like, wow, that's so crazy. It was like the number one game that mm-hmm. people were looking forward to, according to Epic Game Store users. But I mean, that's slightly biased, isn't it? Because of course it more is. Likely to no, no, be of PC, course it is. PC users as opposed to console users. No, 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 no of course. course. No, no, but of course. But the point for Epic is they want people on the Epic Game Store. People who yeah. are on the Epic Game Store are probably a good starting point to figure out how do you get more of these people. Um, and that just shocked me. I would have never guessed mm. in a million years Borderlands Three at the time was the most anticipated game for people. So I also like how it kind of came out, you know, their some of their strategies strategies around trying to get some of the first party titles from Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft on the Epic Game Store. And I th- I forget what it was, but their comment about Nintendo was really funny. It's like this is pretty much a non-starter. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that, like yeah, we'll we'll cover Nintendo a bit later, but if you look at a lot of the disclosures, especially the ones that are leaked, when they talk about Nintendo, they basically go, "Ah, oh, you know, it's a moonshot. We'll we'll have a crack, but it's never going to work." It's it's amazing. Like, just to emphasize, you know, gaming for whatever reason is like cloaked in this weird secrecy, in in a sense that like much more than any other industry that I've seen. It's very strange. I don't really totally understand why, but it is, and. You know, like Nintendo is almost one of the most secret in that industry. So it's kind of crazy to see everyone talk about them, you know, and just their views on them and their games and how they do things. Um, in terms of Sony, I think Sony's probably come out the worst out of all, all of this. I'd say so and as well. There's, a, there's now like a, a suit that's uh, going in place against Sony, actually. Like it's only at the early stages, still years away, but about some of their practices. So... They've been screwed by, <clears throat> especially the leaks. Where well, it's not really you can't call them leaks. It's just mishandling of the information. Um, where like kind of like they're bre- breaching the law. Like I don't really know how you can't argue that in American law. It's definitely breaching Australian law. You can't force companies to pay you, like for you know then opening it up to other companies, like creating a third line forcing situation. You can't do that in Australia. Like what Sony's done where they're saying everyone's doing... So, sorry, the context is cross-play, Epic, 
like actually threatened to sue Sony for crossplay. And by the way, amongst all of this, isn't this interesting in business that Sony has invested in in Epic Games, <laughs> right? Two hundred and fifty million dollars a year ago, and then recently invested another two hundred million. And it, meanwhile, Tim Sweeney is threatening Sony that we're going to sue you. It's but was just, that was that prior to them making those investments? It was around the same time. Hmm. Like, I think it was a year before or something like that. But it's crazy to think a guy says, I'm going to sue you. And then afterwards, they buy into him. It's just nuts. But um, yeah, they basically had a weird deal with Sony. So it is tricky cross-play, especially where you can use the same items on your account across all the different uh, platforms that you use. Because you could get a scenario where someone buys it all on their iPhone because they feel comfortable with buying it on their iPhone, let's just say. But they play all the time on the PlayStation. And is that really fair for PlayStation? Like, you know, whether it's fair or not, they probably feel like, hey, we're getting ripped off here. They're using the game on our service. But generally, like, you know, that it is what it is. But Sony actually stipulated certain ratios. And if it goes outside of those ratios, they need compensation. And, and like I said, you cannot do this kind of stuff in Australia. Like, this is starts to get into the territory of, like, third-line forcing and things like that. It really just... It just establishes or reestablishes, you know, what we all thought, which was basically, you know, that Sony was so reluctant for this crossplay stuff. Oh, yeah. But then they're putting this face out like, oh, the security of the platform. <laughs> and then essentially they're just like, yeah, like this just, just confirms what everybody knew was true anyway. But the fact that they're the only platform that is asking, requiring this compensation outside of, you know, Nintendo and Xbox and obviously any of the PC stuff, so... Yeah, yeah, they've really come out as the bad guy for this. Uh, Microsoft, quite a lot of funny stuff going on with Microsoft. Did you want to touch on it, Twinny? Yeah, so um, as of July last year, um, Phil Spencer actually told Tim Sweeney via emails that he still hadn't given up hope of bringing xCloud to rival consoles. So that's pretty recent when you think about it. It's less than 12 months ago. Um, Also... Apparently came out the game passes yet to become profitable, which I think we would have all that assumed anyway oh, at yeah. this point. Yeah, I, I did kind of assume that Yeah, because it's such a good deal. Um, a, a really funny thing is that they have this, uh, there was some slides about like Microsoft's internal release schedule. And it's this meme across the internet at the moment that um, about Balan, Balan Wonderworld that everyone keeps calling it Balan Wonderland. And uh-huh. even Microsoft in the slide called it Balan Wonderland. So it was just a really, really funny thing that's like, why would you not call the game that? It rhymes. Come on, people. <laughs> it's funny. It's almost like become a Berenstein Bear thing. Exactly. But in real time. In yes. real time. Like, I've heard people on podcasts call it Wonderland. And then halfway through, they're like, wait, did you say Wonderland? Don't you mean Wonderworld? And like, <laughs> um, there's uh, also, most have had an internal analysis or like, I guess, internal review on The Last of Us Part 2, which, you know, you generally don't hear first parties talk about the other um, rival first party games. Um, so their internal review was, The Last of Us Part 2 is is the exceedingly rare video game where it accomplishes, uh, with what it accomplishes in moving forward, the art of narrative storytelling video games as a medium ultimately outweighs whether or not everyone likes it or even has fun playing it, which I think a lot of people would probably um, agree with. Like, wow, that's so. really interesting. I, I would say that's a really good analysis. Because <laughs> uh, the other one that I don't think we have in our notes, but uh, Microsoft, their predictions around what was coming out in in 2020 
Mm. So, like, at least in, say, Q4 calendar year 2020, they thought Breath of the Wild 2, Metro Prime 4, and Bayonetta 3 were all going to be coming out in that period of time. (laughs) Now, I I don't think I've told you guys. I actually was, like, looking at applying for a job at uh, EA, right, recently, like, in their Sydney office, which, like, part of me was, like, if I I get this job, I can't wait to troll the hell out of Mike. That would be, like, the best thing. I can't think of... I don't know know if we can be friends any longer. I can't think of a game company I'd least like to work for. Same. (laughs) So I look at it, and I'm like... Because, you know, I look at some of this analysis, I'm like, man, I could do a better job than this. This is terrible. (laughs) Like, what are they thinking? Metro Pro 4, they have to restart the development. And then, like... Bayonetta 3, we've heard nothing about it. So, yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, Microsoft probably came out the best so far. Phil Spencer, it's quite, it's like, the thing I love about this kind of stuff, and I read so much about the Royal Commission into banking, it's because you actually get an insight of, you know, Phil Spencer emailing Tim Sweeney just directly. Like, this is the, it's almost like private communication, right? Now, when you work at a public company especially, you can never consider it private but people just fall into this habit of just like sending an email and it's very like them. And it's quite funny if you read through Tim, uh, sorry, uh, Phil Spencer's emails, it's very Phil Spencer and it's very hard to explain that. But just like his style, he's very smart with the way he says things. He doesn't commit, but he seems very like relaxed and just like a cool guy, ah, very chilled. But he's actually very sneaky with the way he words things. Like, and it doesn't come across as sneaky, but it's like next level sneaky where people don't even realize you're being sneaky. And he does that even with his private emails. So it's quite funny. Uh, Nintendo. So, you know, we had the whole, you know, with Yakuza, which is quite common, they reckon, in Japanese contracts that you cannot, they, they don't have games on their platform where companies that have sponsorship or affiliation with or are funded by the Yakuza or Yakuza groups. Um, I think in 2010 in Japan, there, there were some laws put in place to, to block this kind of stuff as well. But the one that I wanted to really mention around Nintendo. So I actually downloaded the archive from the court around the time when it went up. So I was going through it myself, like just reading through a lot of the documents, right? And I actually got to the one where like it was the epic sort of like pack i think it was like in 2020 like for the executive team and i was flipping through and had like the rock and stuff like that i'm like oh yeah cool whatever and then i flipped to a slide and it had like samus (laughs) as one of the skins for fortnite and i was like holy shit (laughs) like this is so cool now probably don't get too excited it does seem very much like this is a pack of this is kind of like what we want to do and who we're talking to and maybe you know in companies and business you guys know this it's like you can have conversations with people about, hey, what do you think of this? Like, what does this look like? But nothing might come from it, right? And it definitely seems to be the case here. Like, the art the art isn't even their commissioned art. It was just fan art from, like, DeviantArt or something. Um, So, so yeah, it's a bit of a shame, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. A really interesting thing here to me is, um, so, in like, in the last week, they announced that Rambo is joining uh, Call of Duty Warzone, right? And as part of these this pack um, for Fortnite, they had potentially John McClane from Die Hard. Well, just today, Call of Duty Warzone started teasing John McClane from Die Hard. Yeah. So the fact is that Fortnite had like got these potential plans to to try to get uh, John McClane in the game, and 
now, uh, yeah, now it's Activision's like, okay, Warzone. Co- it's just weird. The, the, Do you reckon the there's even there. a possibility that they've actually gone, oh, these are gettable. So why possibly. don't we ask the question? I mean, that's possible. That happens in business. Yeah, like if they just, it's just a teaser mm. image showing like Nakatomi vent, uh, duct, like vent thing or something on their Twitter. But it's just weird. Like, I mean, John McClane, I, I wouldn't say he's the most obvious first choice for a um, Battle Royale character. So yeah, it's, Rambo makes sense, but yeah. I, I think it's, but a lot of these stuff, it feels like it's been picked by people who are like our age, who are also the people who run these companies, right? Hmm. Where it doesn't, to me, make sense for the user base. You know, shouldn't it be like way younger people like Jake Paul or something? Jake Paul skin in Fortnite, oh, right? <laughs> but dude, don't you think it'd be way more popular than John McClane? Probably. Yeah, yeah but it also probably... Um... I reckon. Uh, anyway, I, I reckon it's it's probably not expensive to get John McClane in. Uh, true, Warzone, true, so. true. I just don't know how it's going to really do anything. And Rocket League actually came up, which I was like super pumped about. So they're actually making a next gen version. So it sounds like they're making a Unreal Engine maybe five. Fingers crossed, because they are a part of Unreal now and an Epic, mm-hmm. um, and they're running it on Unreal Engine three, I think. A Rocket League. So they're still... I think I'm almost certain that they're running on Unreal Engine 3. I don't know if you can check that, Swinney. I'll have a look. Um, so yeah, I'm super pumped that they're doing that. And the interesting thing is they're actually making the next-gen version of Rocket League for mobile from the start. So they have a full version of Rocket League on mobile and then branch it out onto every other platform and do cross-play progression, all that kind of stuff on all the platforms. And that was actually meant to be in alpha last year. And then, you know, we've mentioned the Rocket League 2D game, Sideswipe, was actually meant to be fully released last year. So it's quite amazing how COVID is like really, you know, and probably other things as well, but there's massive delays in this space. So I'll just confirm, it seems like you're right. I think it's running off Unreal Engine 3. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely is still on that one because they haven't upgraded it. So which is quite interesting. I mean, Mass Effect's running on Unreal Engine 3, just to give you the context. Like, back in the day, the original version and the latest version, so... Well, it's probably still more than enough of the kind of game that it is. Oh, like, Unreal Engine's amazing. Yeah. Like, it's super popular in Japan. It, it's it's one of the best... Like, if I was trying to make a, you know, triple or a double A game, I'd use Unreal Engine for sure. And it's sure. important to remember, like, Rocket League at this point is nearly a six-year-old game as well, so. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 2015, right? Yeah, July 2015. Yeah, love Rocket League. So good. But when you see it in the numbers with Epic Games and compared to Fortnite, it's just, it's literally a rounding error, Rocket League. As a, it's interesting, though, because <clears throat> it has a lot of players. Like, it's not, it's not a slouch in terms of monthly active users. They just can't monetize the users as well. As Fortnite with the battle royales and all that. Sorry, the season passes and all that kind of stuff and battle passes. Uh, and then the last one is just like some weird details like Walmart. So Walmart, from a retail perspective with video games, they own 25% of all physical... Actually, 25% of like sales of games in the States. But because, you know, physical versus digital, from a digital perspective, they own 2% of sales. <laughs> Now, I'm, I didn't surpri- know. I'm surprised they even had 2%. <laughs> That's, I agree. I guess it's like codes and stuff. Um, so, you know, smartly, I guess, they look at it and go, well, hang on, guys, we're going to lose a bunch of revenue here. 
what can we do differently? Walmart's a very smart company and, you know, they've got their own cloud uh, platform that they're building or whether they've dropped it, Project Storm, which is a very unoriginal title for a project name. Uh, and it will support the Epic Game Store. So, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. And then the last one that I thought was really funny was uh, back in 2015, Tim Cook didn't even know who Tim Sweeney was. And Tim Sweeney was, like, on the stage with Apple, like, <laughs> announcing stuff. And he literally goes, who is this guy? Is this the guy in rehearsals? Well, also, Epic and Apple's relationship kind of, you know, it goes back to, you know, Infinity Blade on... on uh, Apple as well, you know, yeah, like they were that. they were presenting on the stage mm. with that stuff as well. So it's not like it's even early in 2015. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like Infinity Blade, genuinely, even for me, made me go, "Wow!" Like mobile games can look pretty insanely good. Like, and that was the first game that was really like that. And mm. yeah, the context here was that Tim Sweeney sent an email directly to Tim Cook and a bunch of other top execs saying, you know, why don't you open up the platform? Why don't you let other people put stuff on there and stuff like that? And, yeah, that's the one one line answer from Tim Cook to the other execs. He's like, who, you know, is this the guy from rehearsals? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> Just, like, so awesome, so dismissive. <laughs> he certainly knows who he is now. <laughs> so, and also, by the way, Tim Cook is not going to appear at the trial. They'll be, I'd be really surprised. Um, you know, they're getting the guys, it's like two two levels below him. Like is the guy who's appearing, but Tim Sweeney is. It was like opened on the trial, so it's quite quite interesting. So yeah, we'll we'll keep you posted on the this case. It's uh, yeah, like I said, get it going for a couple more weeks, and we'll probably round it off at the end. And you know, who knows? There might be more leaks, but probably not. I think they've gotten on top of their handling of the documentation. All right, let's get into our next news story. Uh, so this week there was a very cool announcement, at least from my perspective. Uh, Game Builder Garage was announced randomly by Nintendo just after they did their full year financial results. Uh, Swinney, as the maker among us, do you want to do you want to cover this? <laughs> I'm happy to cover <laughs> it, but uh, it's uh, something that relates more to the New Year resolutions of both of you two than uh, than me. But oh, we'll touch anyway, on that. We'll touch I on know. that. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, Game Builder Garage is a new game or, you know, tool, you could say, a piece of software that Nintendo are bringing out that allows people to build some, you know, fun-looking little games and learn very rudimentary programming skills in a very visual manner. Um, so, yeah, it follows in the footsteps of, you know, their approach to games like Murray Maker and Labo's Toy-Con Garage Mode, but is very also along the lines of Media Molecule's dreams and a lot of what people could do in Little Big Planet as well. Um, mm. So the game uses... I'd probably equate it to Scratch as well, if you guys are familiar with that. The, the educational semi-programming language. Okay. I, think the, kids. I think the Dreams comparison's fair. I get what and you're saying as well. as well. yeah. But you know it's... what I mean? It's very, it, when I saw it, I'm like, wow, that kind of looks like Scratch. It's kind of in between. It's, it's yeah. A, yeah, Scratch and Dreams. Mash yeah. them together. Mm. So the game uses like these little creatures known as nodons to handle different elements of game programs. So you've got like idea, a control nodons. stick that's like a little cartoon control stick and then you've got like the audio and things like that. So there's lots of little, I think there's, you know, a couple of dozen of them. Um, and the trailer that they showed off um, shows, you know, pretty wide variety of different mm. genres of games. You know, obviously you've got platformers, but they had like racing games, shooter maps, puzzle games. Some of the stuff looks really, really neat. Um, now, obviously, you're going to get the probably the best of what the game, what, 
you know, like not everyone's going to be able to create a lot of those games straight away. But um, from what I've seen, you know, they they run you through, they lay, they show you how to build different game types, but then there's like a free programming mode that you can essentially just run wild with. Um, but the good part as well is that you can, you know, you can share your games online. Now, I don't know, I don't know if you, if you know whether or not you put it up for everyone or if it's just for friends. I assume it's up yeah. for everyone. So I check that and you have to have the game to play the other games. Oh yeah, no, no. I'd assume that, but as in, could you just put it up for public consumption? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you can also share them via wireless um, as well. And mm-hmm. the game will support, uh, will have USB mouse support, but it says compatible mouse. So I don't know if every uh-huh. single USB mouse is going to work or not. Um, it's kind of vague, and they haven't confirmed if there's uh, keyboard support. But it doesn't look like the kind of thing that's going to need keyboard support. Outside of, hey, it's going to be easier to add text into this kind of thing. Um, and it comes out the 11th of June for 50 Australian dollars, which is pretty good for a Nintendo pretty good, actually, yeah. game. So, Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's awesome. Like, this is yeah, the day same. one buy for me. Like, this is really cool. I love, like, I almost just, like, fundamentally just want to support this kind of stuff. Uh, and then also, like, I'm really keen to play around with this with my, my kid eventually. Like, he's way too young at the moment. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, as we know, you can do Q Basic back in the day, uh, and that's a pretty young age. A, man. Little, that's like... a little harder than this, but yeah. <laughs> but that's like five or six that a lot of kids start doing that. Like I started coding and stuff when I was maybe five. So yeah, for, like, I, yeah it's a year and a bit away for for my kid. Great, which is nuts. Grade one, I was I was uh, getting the turtle to move across the screen to collect the 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 dot or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, this is absolutely amazing. Um, it, honestly, it's not the kind... As much as I love Mario Maker, I generally mm. not... It doesn't appeal to me to have a tool to create my own games. It's just never appealed to me, but I love the idea because yeah. I love seeing what comes out of it and the but you know, like, And I, I don't know. Nintendo is impossible to just predict. Like, It's so hard to understand what they do. I remember talking to Vooks, who runs Vook.net, which is like the Australian Nintendo site... And, you know, he's been covering Nintendo for, like, 15 years or 20 years, sorry. And, like, he, he, even he's just like, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, <laughs> you just don't know. Like, it's impossible to predict. And he, like, talks to the PR people. He knows way more than we do and 99.99% of other people. And, yeah, they're just so hard to predict. Mm-hmm. And I just look at this and I go, I think it's a shame that they haven't made it that you can have like a and maybe they'll they'll do it, you know, Nintendo changes their mind or does stuff and you just don't predict it, but I really wish that they had like a game builder garage player or game builder player like app on the on the Nintendo store where you can install like a player and then you have access to play the games that people make. Hmm. Cuz I think that'd just be really cool where it's like and then you could build something, share it to all your friends, and then they can install it. Whereas they might still do it. They might. They still might. Do it. They you might. Know. Even I mean, if, even if like it, to me, it does make sense as a free thing. But even if they put it up as like a ten dollar app or something, you know, like well, that's me- next level. That'd be so cool if they did that. Yeah, that would be insane. But you know, I don't think they would because it's like there's a lot of work involved in that kind of stuff, and I don't think they want just like shovelware going up on the on the the store. Even though it's almost getting to that point at the moment. Uh, yeah, no, this is this is really really cool, man. So, do you reckon you're going to get it, Swinny? Because I think you know Mike and I will be getting this, but uh, I'm not sure, honestly. Um, I still feel like I've got so much time um, and stuff to to create Mario Maker, which is obviously a very different thing. You're yeah. not programming or anything, uh. but um, to me, I kind of like 
that kind of style of tool set as opposed to you know, I'm I'm not creative enough to create my own game. I want to use someone else's game. Yeah, you game. are. <laughs> yeah, you even made a few. But um, you made more games than we did. Technically. I know. I know. I think <laughs> I think Sony is very creative. But, I, I, I object to that. But Your yeah, I, I object. Think You're wrong. You're my wrong. my question comes to uh, our news yes. gaming resolution. So. Mm. The Intergot, one of your gaming resolutions was to publish a game in 2021. And Mike, Mm. one of yours was to make a game in 2021. So from my, as the, I guess, impartial judge. uh, (laughs) You're not impartial. I I have a feeling that if you created something that was an end-to-end experience in this game, then Mike could theoretically use this game to meet that resolution, but unless Nintendo have a way to get people to put stuff on, even on a section on the eShop, then Intergot, I don't think you could use it. I I, I fully agree with your analysis. And this is why you need Uh, to have smart goals. No, no, that is the smart goal. I made a smart goal. (laughs) No, this is the exact... You're the one that didn't make a smart goal. This is the exact point. See, for me, it's very easy to go... It doesn't fulfill my criteria, right? It doesn't, right? Whereas Mike, it's so up to interpretation. How many games does he buy? That's How many games smart. does he play? That's why it's smart. It's not smart. It's it bullshit. Is. I just, it's smart with lowercase smart, Mike, not you're uppercase you're smart. <laughs> yeah, so I think if you make a game, and this is a problem, it's, it's subjective. I think if it's like at least not a BS game, then it probably does tick the box. Nice. So, but, but it has to be. It has to be featured. Knowing Mikey won't even do that. Though. No, he won't. I know he's true. He's <laughs> no, really lazy. I'll try. He's I'm lazy. not lazy. I just I'm really, really, really busy unfocused. With unfocused. A lot of stuff. Let's just say unfocused. Just busy. Uh, well, you... hey, if I don't even have time to play games during the week, well, of course you do. I'm gonna find time to. Well, you have I actually uh... legit that not this week. Well, you <laughs> have you, do. you have just over six months from the release date of. Game, uh, game Builder Garage. I keep trying to say Game Maker Garage. It's a good amount of to, time. To use that <laughs> avenue to complete your resume. Good I do amount like of time. People have been saying Game Builder ga- Garbage. <laughs> Which is probably what most of the games will be. No, but... I don't think so. No, oh, they will be actually. Yeah. <laughs> Just looking at the, smash, <laughs> at the Smash stages that are available. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> if it's anything like oh, that. So. You're going to am... get some amazing things though. So I'm looking I do, forward to it. I do wonder about their content mod- moderation. Because... It does allow you to like draw and do all this other stuff. I'm like, mm. oh man, this is going to be rife with the really bad stuff very quickly. Um, yeah, no, I, this is a day one purchase for me. I'm really looking forward Same. to it. The, not Resident Evil 8, but <laughs> Game Builder Garage. <laughs> By the way, we are a gaming podcast. All right, let's go on to our next uh, story. So Sony uh, this week has announced that they're doing a partnership with Discord which is pretty fascinating. So they've uh, taken a minority investment in the popular chat platform. So Discord amazingly was only uh, introduced in 2015. It feels like it's been around for a long time, but it's had a massive run up in users. So it's up to 140 million monthly uh, users at the moment. Uh, A huge boon for it, obviously, is the whole work from home. And then also Among Us actually legitimately had a huge... Uh, uptake. It became like the number one app for a period of time in the US uh, with Among Us being so popular. And this does follow the news of of Microsoft talking about acquiring Discord and at least how it's framed. It's not public, but that Discord actually turned down a $10 billion offer uh, to take it over. 
for the for the view of maybe going IPO. And I do think if you look at a lot of these, especially like because it's it's a social network, Discord. It's just a different social network compared to what we've seen so far. History has always said, do not sell. Like if people are that desperate to buy you, don't sell. Like Instagram was sold for a billion dollars. If Instagram was launched like a separate company, it's probably worth like $200 billion. Um, so, you know, it's pro- I think it's very smart from the folks at Discord. If they have enough money to operate their business and run it effectively, I think they should just hold out. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like they're actually going to start integrating Discord into PlayStation from early 2022. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that and what does that mean and what does that mean for probably more so Microsoft and Xbox versus Nintendo, which they don't even have voice chat on their own yeah. service. So. I mean, this is this is huge for Sony. Um, the fact that they're going to get the platform connected. And I'm assuming that means that they will be the only platform to have that if that is if they're you know partnering up in this case. Mm. Uh, that is huge because to be able to get people, you know, like a lot of people use Discord because, um, you know, cross-platform play, for instance, is the huge thing there because, you know, we played, uh, you know, we play Rocket League cross, cross-platform and yeah. there's just, that's Discord, you know, it's not the only way, but it's essentially the smartest way to handle that. Um, yeah, or like and, Smash, where we play Smash. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, Nintendo's a whole different ball game, But um, the... The more games that become cross-play and cross-platform and it's just, you know, becoming the thing to do is the more useful the Discord is going to become. So, Yeah, and smart from Sony from a business perspective of, you know, it's actually a negative for them, cross-play, but then they're investing in a company that benefits from cross-play. So it actually starts to hedge out their exposure of, okay, if cross-play takes off, like, insanely, then we've got this investment in Discord, so... That's a positive for us. And so do you- it is pretty nice having it integrated into the console directly. Like if you, you know, I know one of our friends and listener of the podcast, you know, has Discord on the mobile, sometimes falls over, sometimes doesn't work that well. He's not a fan. He's not a fan. <laughs> yeah, no, but if it was integrated directly into like the Switch, well, it's like, okay, well, that's easier. And it's probably less likely to fail. So, yeah, the... Um, now I know obviously you, you've got browsers and you've got other stuff that have the same issue, but, um, my only thing there is obviously discord is also a harbor for very unsavory content. Oh yeah. Um, so I just wonder if that's, will change their approach to how they actually connect it. Let's say it only lets gaming channels that are like, you know, a tag to certain things can be on there. I don't know. I'd be interested to see how it plays out when they do it. So. Discord has a massively mis like underreported content moderation problem. Mm-hmm. Like and it's so massive people don't realize some of the communities on Discord it's like really really bad. And I'd just wait for like a you know New York Times article detailing it all and it's going to make it's going to have a huge hit on Discord. Like they genuinely need to get their shit together on that stuff because this is the kind of stuff that can really damage you big time. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes with Discord. It's quite interesting service that we use. And I, like eventually when our potty grows, I'm really keen to start our own little Discord community because I really like Discord. All right, let's get on to the next story. Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Do you want to take this, Swinny? Because you are the Mass Effect expert. 
Yeah, I'll take it. So, essentially, the game's a week out from release. Um, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think 14th. Yeah, we're in May already, uh, baby. 14th of May. and I might get it. I might get it. As- <laughs> Sorry, go on, Tony. Yeah, so EA have basically come out and said, uh, you know, to me, it's a bit too close to launch for this, but whatever. They've done it. Um, they've confirmed the frame rate graphics options of all the console variations mm. that it's coming to. But they've also provided some other cool stuff. So I'll start with the frame rate and graphics options. And some of this is really interesting. Um, so on PS5, it's basically like everything, you've got options where it favors, they call it favor quality or favor performance. So on PS5, on quality, you can go up to 60 frames a second at 4K resolution. On performance, you can go up to 60 at 1440p resolution. Hmm, okay, that's interesting. We'll come back to that. PS4 Pro, uh, you can choose 30 uh, frames a second at 4K or 60 frames a second at 1440p. Uh, PS4 base console, you can go up to 30 frames a second at 1080p or 60 frames a second at 1080p. Okay, again, we'll come back to that one. Xbox Series X, um, so you can, for quality, you can go up 60 frames a second at 4K. Or performance, you can actually go up to 120 frames a second at 1440p, which is I'm going to be interested to see what that looks like. And on the Series X, a uh, Series S and Xbox One X, you can go up to 30 frames a second at 4K, or for performance, uh, up to 60 frames a second at 1440p. And lastly, on the base Xbox One console, you can choose between 30 frames a second at 1080p or 60 frames a second at 1080p. So. Just looking at these pure numbers, there's a few things that stand out. (laughs) First of all, the PS5 numbers, basically, if you take it exactly from what EA has put up there, it's basically saying you can choose between 4K or 1440p. Now, I know not everyone's got a 4K TV, so, you know, that choice can get taken out of your hands. But at some point, you're like, well, if they're both saying up to 60 frames a second, but then it's just the resolution difference, what's the deal here? So what... EA have what they've said is basically the favor quality mode prioritizes achieving prioritizes achieving the highest visual fidelity possible in exchange for a lower target frame rate, while the favor frame rate mode prioritizes the highest frame rate possible by scaling native resolution and reducing some graphical features. This is com- super confusing to the average consumer. Like, why just looking at those numbers? And you've got a 4K TV. Why would you choose 1440p? And it's the, the question to me is obviously they say up to 60 frames a second. So I'm really keen to see like you know like the masterminds of Digital Foundry do the testing on <laughs> yeah. this because yeah. I think that's the only way we're really going to see this stuff. Uh, because but I wonder when they sorry when they say up to I, I I wonder whether it's you know generally 60 but it's not always 60 so they had to say up to but it might generally be nice and smooth. Yeah, it's just, to me, this is... I like that they've gotten out there with information, but it's almost led to more confusion around this, especially for the base consoles as well, where from those numbers alone, and I'm not a technical person, uh, as you guys know, but it's basically saying, well, you can choose between 30 and 60. And it's like, well, yeah, like... I know some people do like lower frame rates, but generally speaking, most people are going to like the 60. So it's... Well, I don't think people like lower frame rates. Some people like higher resolution. Well, oh no, there's there's some weird people out there that prefer 30 frames. 
It's, what? Yeah, there are. So some wait, weird if they people. can get the exact same resolution, they prefer less There's frames. Some, I've seen some people out there say that. No, yeah. they don't. No I one actually have that. actually seen no. some weird people out there. I think that's just a bullshit. Like that's a troll. Yeah. It so it's yeah, it's I'm. I think for this point, obviously, it's great to have this info. But um, yeah, wait for the the people that do the good work on this to to do yeah. comparisons. But, the whole up to thing. It's like it kind of makes the whole thing meaningless. Yeah, it is that also, you know, this is fanned up, uh, fanned a flame war between PS5 and Xbox Series X people. So, oh, Series X can do up to 120 frames. It's like, well, look, dude, like, <laughs> I mean, there's gonna, you're gonna see examples of this stuff happen either side, um, throughout this whole generation. So, um, yeah, so about some of the other stuff that done this week, uh, my favorite thing is the fact that they released on the uh, Mass Effect website the My Shepherd custom cover art tool. Uh, this thing is awesome. So a lot of people have seen the Mass Effect Legend- oh, this This is so cool. Yeah. This is so cool. A lot of people have seen the Mass Effect Legendary Edition kind of cover art where it's got like a lot of characters centered around... Um, and like you know, there's about like ten characters, and then it's got like this bluish and this red kind of color to it. Well, you can actually create your own version of that using the characters that you like, you know, love the most, and the locations and your morality. So the basically the way it works is first you select your morality, so Paragon, Renegade, or Neutral in the middle, and that determines the color scheme. Uh, neutral kind of gets the blend of the red and blue, and obviously blue is Paragon, red is Renegade. Then you select your favorite squad mates, your trusted companions, cavalry, and also, you know, like the location. And then essentially you, gen- you generate the cover art um, and you can download it as a custom cover art for PlayStation or Xbox or a 4K wallpaper. And at any point, if you're like, oh, I didn't realize that was going to turn out that way, you can just edit the, the criteria and edit the options and regenerate it. It's just such a cool idea. Now... I know they're not the first to kind of, you know, provide some cover custom cover art options, but I've never seen it handled like this myself. Um, this is... So I'm not a Mass Effect fan, more just I've never really played the games. And I do think I'll probably get this and start playing it because it's part of my Dirty Dozen, Mass Effect 1. Um, but this cover art generator is so cool. Hmm. Like, even I was playing around, I don't even know the characters. And there's some really funny memes coming from it as well where people have you know, permeated through all the options. So then they get the one character, but it's every single character on that is the one character. <laughs> if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, that shit's funny. Like um, that's, that's good. I like that. And the other cool thing, and I don't know if you know about this, Mike, but, um, uh, Intergot told me about it. So EA also gave away an awesome digital bonus content pack. It's like a 1.7 gig pack or something. I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. And it includes an 88 song soundtrack, including one of the new songs that they've done for the legendary edition. But it doesn't have the fonts, does it? Um, it doesn't have fonts, part oh. uh, the credit song from Mass Effect 1, which uh, I hope you get to experience uh, soon, Intergot, which is... Yep. it's Look, it's a licensed song, but still, to me, that's Mass Effect 1 soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. It also includes some PDF art books and comic books and a digital lithograph. I've downloaded it. I haven't actually checked it out yet, but um, that that's cool. Like This is the kind of stuff that if you're going to do this kind of you know celebration of a series... This is the stuff that just wins over the fans and, you know, reminds people, well, they, they had a lot of ground to build back up from with the Mass Effect series. And I think this is a, a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, as well. everyone's like always shitting on EA. I feel like EA, you know, what have they done wrong here? Well, like, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, but come on. It's they also, do it for the marketing. Yeah. And look, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly like... Okay. It, 
is is everything handled by EA or some of this Bioware? I don't know, but it's. Mm. I'd imagine it's it's a lot of it is surely Bioware as well, but then with EA's approval and whatnot. But look, don't get me wrong. Awesome that you get a lot of free content. I have a bunch of this stuff. I think, if not all of it, I mean, I haven't seen the actual digital lithograph in which comics, but I've got a lot of this stuff in, in physical copy. Um, so to me, it's like, well, thanks, thanks, Boo. Sorry, interrupted. Um, but. But I find that really, ultimately, this is this is a nice giveaway from a marketing perspective. Yeah, it gets people riled up talking about it. So look, everyone wins in a way. We get free stuff. They get free mark. Well, not free marketing, but basically free marketing. It's all content they've already had. Um, it's all digital stuff. It's all you know, easy to get out there. So I wouldn't give EA that much credit. I don't think they do it out of the goodness of their own hearts. <laughs> so so mean. So no, I'm not being mean. I just think it's it's a good marketing ploy. You know, it's a good way to <laughs> to get people to to get hyped up and and get the game more mm. sales ultimately. Um. Yeah. No. Look. I think you know. I'm actually getting hyped up in a weird way about Mass Effect, and I do think it is a good reset for the series and the reset that they needed. And you know, if this plays well and there's not many major issues, I do feel like it's going to allow them to hype people up for Mass Effect 4 when it comes out in, mm. you know, three or four years. So, yeah, no, cool. It's just around the corner as well. All right, let's move on to my segment, which is business, business, business. Um, so I have been, uh, you know, spoken to offline after the podcast. My business seg- segments are boring, so I've got to spice Who them up. Who said that? <laughs> no, no one said that. Fake okay, news. Good. But uh, I'll oh, tell like, Uncle Tony about okay, it, and he'll so, take care of these people. You know, Swinney wanted to cut my segment. I'm like, dude, this is I live for these segments. Hey, um, you're misrepresenting me there. So I will, I will keep it very tight. So I've now done it differently. I will go through the key outcomes from the financials. So uh, Nintendo's uh, end of year is at the end of March, so their financial year. So they've had their full, full, full year disclosures. So I'll just go through like the key outcomes from that. And then instead I will go through some of my insights. So looking at these numbers and then doing some weird shit with the numbers to figure some stuff out. So in terms of the numbers as well, revenue, uh, 16, this is all US dollars, $16 billion, which is a massive increase. I'm sorry, 16.6. Don't, don't don't interrupt me. Uh, (laughs) 16 billion plus. Uh, up up over thirty percent year on year. Uh, it is the highest revenue since the Wii and D- DS era, era. But the interesting thing is the operating profit, which is the most important thing. So that's after costs have been included, is over six billion dollars, which is the highest it's been in the one hundred and thirty one year history of the company. Now, if you do inflation and currency, it's probably a little bit less than the Wii era. People don't want to talk about that. Uh, but it is nonetheless amazing, and it's up 80% from uh, last year. Now, a lot of this is driven for the fact that Nintendo, you know, basically being forced to move to more digital sales, and they are massively benefiting from that, given their pricing and just, you know, their cost models and things like that. And they make money on every Switch that they sell. Uh, it's just, they're just going gangbusters. Uh, thank you, Animal Crossing, says Nintendo. <laughs> well, and I will touch on the Animal Crossing stuff soon. Uh, when I get into my crazy insights and, and analysis, uh, in terms of the Switch itself, it's about eighty-four and a half million Switches cumulative at the 26. end of March, which is insane. Uh, in terms of 
the financial year that we had, so FY21 that was meant to be, uh, it was 28.8 million switches sold in that year. So just a bit of context with those numbers, that is literally a switch for every single person that lives in Australia in the course of a year, which is insane. And it's about at the run rate of like a switch being sold every single second for the whole year, which just kind of puts you into that context of like, that's just amazing. Imagine having a counter on your wall and it's just like every second a Switch is sold. Like, you're pretty happy at uh, Nintendo so, and Kyoto. So what you're saying, the Switch is the real pandemic. <laughs> I would say the Switch benefited from the pandemic a lot. Oh, uh, really? That's mm. an interesting take. <laughs> mm. uh, those um, are the real nuggets of insight as part of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I do really enjoy is seeing the forecasts and it's something that people like treat in a really weird way because they're sort of very suspicious about companies forecasts which you always need to be suspicious with financial disclosures because there's a lot of funny games that people can play with them Mm. but you know fundamentally they cannot lie in their in their financial disclosures which is really critical yeah no company's ever done that they well they have and they're like going to jail (laughs) so you definitely don't want to do that (laughs) Uh, Enron did it. Anyway, so they did actually have uh, switch sales for FY 2022 being, I think, 26 and a bit million. It's gone down a little bit to that's 25. Lower. Interesting. 0.5. So they're, they're starting to soften that. So I think that that's almost them also factoring in the fact that, you know, vaccines are happening, people are starting to get back to work, all these kind of things. So a bit of the boost that they're probably getting from the pandemic is going to start going away. But even with their own numbers, 25.5 million, that then is putting uh, the switch at 110 million for the financial year total sales, which then it will become the the best selling home console that Nintendo's ever sold, which is pretty nuts, and it's pretty close to the PS4 uh, total in terms of sales. It's amazing, and it's it's still you know early ish in its cycle. Well, not early ish; it's maybe what halfway, you would say. Look, uh, so the, they themselves have said it's about midway right now. Okay, yep. which is critical for my next thing that I wanted. Can to we cover. let Swinney? Sorry, Swinney was going to. No, say I was just going to say. I think uh, last time we talked about switch sales and and how tracking and stuff and stuff. I think I predicted that it would actually get there. It would get there. So we'll see. I'm, I'm excited to be hopefully right for once about this stuff because it's always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Like I'll, I'll see if this works. Uh, so I've actually, you guys can check it out. It's it's called Int Crazy Analysis Sheet. So I actually like yeah. went through oh all all this analysis. So you know, I want to focus more on insights. You know, with my little business segment. So I've actually, and when you say CUM, that's cumulative. Like that's just pretty normal in like business spreadsheets, but probably doesn't look so good on a podcast. Um, what I what I did here is so I looked at the PS4. And the Wii, because they're probably the most relevant big consoles that we have good data for. And they also have an interesting thing where the PS4 is very solid and kept selling well into the generation. The Wii fell off a cliff. And you can see that these have all been normalized to the times that they actually were sold. And the other thing that you probably have to recognize here is that I've broken it quarter by quarter, right? And the reason you do that is because it's a lot of seasonality in data when it comes to... Um, video game sales. So if I look at the cells here in G9 to G13, uh, G12, sorry, you can actually see that over the whole year, you get 43% of your year's sales in the Christmas period, like that one quarter. Whereas January to March is very, very soft, right? 
Now, the reason why I said about the Animal Crossing thing before is there was actually, I was looking through the Switch data and I couldn't understand why this period in 2020, like the numbers were crazy for the Switch when I was working it out. And then I realized, oh, wait, that was when Animal Crossing was released. Yeah. <laughs> like that one week actually had a huge bump up in their sales. And I was like, oh, I can't really explain it. And I'm like, oh, that's why. It's because of the Switch. So what I've done here is I had to also adjust the analysis because the Switch came out in March, whereas the Wii and most consoles and the PS4 came out in the Christmas quarter, which was like November, you know, that kind of period. So I have to then adjust based on the seasonality. And what I've said here is there's three, three kind of like paces that the Switch is selling at, right? And the third is my view on how many, you know, how many the Switch will sell, right? So if the Switch continues on at the PS4 pace, so what it's sold right now and then it will, it will grow to like, you know, what the PS4 has sold, what I'm saying is that, you know, it's it by, and, and the other thing I should just call out is I've used the forecasted numbers that Nintendo's gave, like the 25 mil uh-huh. sales, because I think that's really critical because that's their disclosure. So I've used that and then built from there. So what I'm saying is, you know, yes, they'll sell 25, but the year after they'll sell 10 million, then 8.2, and then it will trail off at the rate that the PS4 is trailing off. Giving Does that us- include the Pro? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'd say that's a whole generation. That's giving us 130 mil total sales. 130 mil, where, where does that place us? That places us as the number one Nintendo console by a country mile, um, above the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and again, below the PS2 and DS. Now, PS2, I feel like we don't actually have very good data on the PS2, like real data on it. Like we have very top headline numbers that Sony has given. There's a couple of weird factors with the PS2. There are, we don't know how many people, but there's people that just bought the PS2 to use it as a DVD player and never actually put a game in it. Now, I don't know, you can't just discount that, but from a, an analysis point of view, I would discount that. I would, you know, if I was trying to compare it to the PS2 because I'm trying to compare apples to apples. So it's like a game console to a game console, not a DVD I don't, I don't know. My, my late, my last PS2, which was like whatever third generation, fourth generation, because I kept revising them, was solely used for DVDs. Never played and, a game on it. That's what I'm saying. If, but that's if you, rare. Oh, is it rare? No, no, it's definitely not rare. Because no. I, I think if my parents were going to buy a PS2, just mm. use it as a DVD player. So, you know, I think you have to, you know, discount that number by at least a haircut of 10%, let's just say. Um, And that actually starts to put it in the realm of like being competitive to it. And same with the DS as well. Now, Wii. If, so what happened with the Wii is it sold gangbusters like the Switch. It's kind of a similar pace actually, but it just went off a cliff, like completely went off a cliff. So what I said here is I'm accepting Nintendo saying they still believe they're going to sell 25 million next year, but then you can see the numbers dropping off dramatically, like based on the Wii's, results even saying that it still sells 117 million so this is the worst case scenario basically that the the Wii is as the switch is going to sell 117 million which would put it below the game boy and you know we know now 115 116 million of the ps4 that will still sell like it still sold a million in the quarter the last quarter that it reported i'd probably say the ps4 will outsell 
the Switch if it goes down the Wii track. Now, I think it's very unlikely it's going to do that. Now, what do I think the Switch will sell? So what I did here is, and this is pretty simple, but essentially Nintendo themselves are saying that they are sort of mid-gen. I think that they will see the type of numbers that they'll see from a PS4. So these are still mostly basing on the PS4. But looking at the timeline, I actually think it's off by a year, the the growth and the, the decline of the Switch. So if you go through, it's probably like 2024, 2023, where we'll see the successor to the Switch. And we'll touch on that in a second. So I, I'm expecting it to see the numbers of a PS4, but delayed by a year, given the place in its generation and when the next Switch will come, when the next successor will come out. And if that offset by a year occurs then the kind of sales you'll see, you'll still see stronger sales in the financial year of 2023 and then starting to decline 2024 onwards when the next successor comes out. And that would then result in 140 million switches sold, which is phenomenal. Like, you know, we're talking about when the iPhone came out and exploded, people thought that consoles were going to die. And then you have a console now that's, I think, going to sell 140 million. So that's my prediction for the Switch, 140 million. That's my little segment on uh, the Switch itself and I trying to keep it different. did not understand any of that at this stage. I'm a little <laughs> too afraid to ask. I, I love the. I love you calling it a little segment. That's uh, the little that's segment. Brash. The little complicated <laughs> segment. Hey, you did not go into column P. What was column P? The cum FY. Yeah, the cumulative financial ah. year sales, yes. Ah, ah, that's what that meant. Okay. And the last <laughs> thing I wanted sudden, to say... the whole analysis makes so much more sense to me. Thank you. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to say was that they had a record spend in R&D and they were actually asked this question by an investment analyst and they said they're investing in online, but mostly given that they're mid-cycle, they are investing in the successor platform to the Switch. Now, I wouldn't take that as at all being... Um, the Switch Pro. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. So they've already confirmed that they're looking past the Switch. It's the Switch U. As they do. That's the success. Oh, God. Let's all hope not. Let's all hope not. All right, let's get into our final segment. The Australian government has done something positive around gaming. Yes, you are hearing us correctly. Uh, as part of uh, some of the federal budget for 2021 announcements this week and next week, as they normally do, they drip out some stuff. And this is a part of like a whole set of, you know, reforms that they're doing. But one part of it that's interesting to us is that they're offering a 30% tax break to Australian video game developers, uh, which is very, very cool. Like, I think you can't say anything negative about this. This, Yeah, this, um, I was trying to, like, I was looking through everything, trying to think, it's not about trying to find a negative approach, but trying to be like skeptical because you're like, well, this sounds too good to be true. And I think it just there's nothing negative about this at all. Yeah, and and Australia has a history of doing this. So we actually have a lot of uh, movies that are produced and filmed in Australia because there are tax breaks for it, and you know it kind of makes sense because you want to bring productions over here. They have to hire people locally, and the video game industry has been lobbying for quite a while to have the same type of effect for video games. And I do wonder. Because Sledgehammer, so they're working on the next Call of Duty game and they have a big office now in Melbourne and they're hiring stacks of people. Like I keep an eye on LinkedIn for video game stuff as well. 
And yeah, it's crazy the amount of people they're hiring in Melbourne. And I do wonder if they, maybe they understood from the government that this was starting to change. That's what I was thinking is that, you know, those expansion plans, we covered that back in episode 32. Mm. And they announced that, although they'd already had an office there, they a lot of that news started coming out in February. And it's like, we're, you know, we know a lot of this stuff travels around, you know, the industry before it becomes public oh, yeah. knowledge. You know, did they know? Because that 100% lines up why they would do these massive expansion plans in mm. Melbourne. Yeah. And and I think it makes sense, right? Because, well, like from a lobbying perspective, I don't, people kind of look at it as being a bit insidious, but the reality is, you know, the government has a bunch of lawyers that they've hired to draft stuff. They're not business people. So they need to talk to the people and say, you know, if we write it in this way, is this actually helpful for you? Because if they write it in a poor way, people might go, you know what, this doesn't even help. So mm. you've done this and you're throwing away money and it, you know, what's the point? Um, so yeah, like there's some minimums around, you know, they need to be a company and it's really like be based in Australia and, you know, have, you know, half a million dollar sort of, you know, spend, but like, it's all stuff that if you're talking about some of the big Australian games, uh, like Untitled Goose Game, Moving Out, uh, Hollow Knight, like from my understanding of reading all of this, all of these people will qualify for this. Yeah. Um, and, and that's massive for them, man. That's like 30% off your tax bill is huge. And I'm so glad that they've put the provision that the games can't mm. have gambling elements or, and yeah, well, refuse classification is makes sense. That's, that's mm. straightforward. But the gambling element, because then suddenly that, that just cuts off um, people trying to really abuse it for a lot of those crappy mobile game apps. That, and we we're not going to cover it, but there was a great four, cor- four corners uh, coverage on ABC about you know mobile gaming addiction, and you know that's it's just so I'm so glad they put that provision in. Yeah, no, no, true. No, so like really, really cool, uh, very good. So when uh, Mike and I start our own studios, we'll take advantage of this, won't we, Mike? Absolutely. <laughs> when I don't we know what our... we're going to blow 500000 on, but we'll figure it out. When we do our Game Builder Garage games, we could be uh, advertising. We could. Look at that, discount on your advertising. All right, uh, let's get into my favorite segment of the week. The Bargain Bin for the week commencing Sunday, the 9th of May, 2021. Epic Game Store. They've gone back to giving away free games. Woo! And we now know how much they cost. Uh, so Pine is available until the 14th of May. So you can add it to your account as always. Uh, for PlayStation, we have Virginia, which is $3 until the 13th of May. Strider, $4.60 until the 13th of May. Uh, all of these are the 13th of May, so I'm not going to say it anymore. <laughs> Wasteland 2, Director's Cut, $8. Kingdom Hearts, all in one package, $40. I'll just That's clarify with deal. that, you're getting both collection packages and Kingdom mm. Hearts 3, so that is a massive deal. That's a really good deal. I would get it if I was a weeb. Uh, <laughs> and Fire Pro Wrestling World, which is $21. Over to you for Xbox. Winning. Yeah, so quite a bit for Xbox. And I'll just clarify... Uh, the reason why we didn't cover Nintendo sales is because a lot of the sales end today. So that's why we just, there's no point. Um, oh, and, and can I just quickly say, I bought Final Fantasy VII, which was on sale on the Switch. Cool. So that's where I've landed on that. Awesome. So you won, you bastard. Awesome. Um, yeah, so for uh, Game Pass, so some really cool additions. Uh, available now is Steep, a game I've been wanting to try for a while on console Game Pass. 
We've got Final Fantasy X and X2 HD Remaster on console PC available on the 13th of May. The rest are all 13th of May. Um, that's cool. It's got a new achievement list on PC, so I'm excited about that, but I'm still going to finish the other one. Uh, Just Cause 4 on console and PC, Psychonauts on console and PC, Red Dead Online on console, and Remnant from the Ashes on PC Game Pass. A couple of removal lowlights leaving on the 15th of May is Alan Wake on console no. PC, Dungeon of, Dungeon of the Endless on console and PC, and Final Fantasy IX on console and PC. Mm. Uh, and that's a Play Anywhere title, um, that, but unfortunately, if someone hasn't started it, I don't think six days is enough to really <laughs> Six days, it. I was going to ask. Yeah, probably no, not. not really. Well, you know, like, I don't like how short the period is that they keep saying these, these games, because there was one game a few like a month ago that you said about, it was a Metroidvania, Bloodstained. And I was like, oh, you know why I don't even have time to fit this in. Yeah, I wish they gave you more notice, 100%. Like, yeah, they, like at least a couple of weeks. Most of the games stay in, nice. like, that are, like GTA or whatever, most of the games stay in for a, a really good amount of time, but mm, they don't yeah. give you the notice. It should be like a month. You know, a month is a good good. A period. month is, yeah, I think month's fair. Yeah. So like, they do, two weeks they do it on a monthly stupid. announcement. Yeah. So, Start of the month, right. here's what's coming next month. So... Um, there's also massive update for the FPS Boost games on Xbox. So they added 74 new games to the support. Um, <laughs> and that brings the total to 97. So some of the highlights, uh, and I've linked the full list in um, the description, but uh, all the Assassin's Creed games on Xbox One, uh, so 3 Remaster, Rogue Remaster, Ezio Collection Unity, which is awesome. Deus Ex Mankind Divided, Dragon Age Inquisition, all the Far Cry games on Xbox One, Lords of the Fallen, My Time at Porsche, Prey, Sleeping Dogs Definitive Edition, which I'd actually like to check out again, and Tomb Raider Definitive Edition are all uh, bumped up. Some of them, most are bumped up to 60. There's a few games in the list that bumped up to 120. Um, It's actually a lot of 120. It feels like half the list is 120. So I did actually load up um assassin's crew remastered but it mustn't have updated yet so i'm not sure i can't remember exactly when this stuff goes live but it wasn't live as of two days ago so did you check because it's off by default uh no yeah there's no option to enable it mm. so oh. yeah so um, and why is it off by default that's quite interesting well it's interesting to say that because mm. when i tried it last time it didn't do that it wasn't off by default mm. so um it's saying that uh well, it said they dropped it, so I don't know. I'll come back. I might try a couple more, uh, but whatever. Yeah, that's the bargain bin for me. Can I just say, like, the Thank FPS you. boost is, like, the most underrated and underappreciated feature that I can think in gaming in, like, years. That's fucking awesome. Like, like no one talks about it. it. I think people... Dude, no one... It gets that's zero a shame. hype. It's... It gets zero hype. It gets zero attention. Like, you know, I listen so to good. some... You'd be amazed at this, Winnie. I actually listen to an Xbox podcast, right? Like solely dedicated to Xbox. Anyway, um, and like they talk about their communities. People just don't give a shit about it. Like they'll talk about it and people mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. And I mean, really? like, uh, you know, it kind of does play into uh, Jack Ryan and, you know, his statements about, uh, you know, backwards compatible. Yeah, maybe, you know? maybe. The, the wild thing for me, though, is but- that. That's the only thing you can do on an Xbox Series X is play the Xbox One game. <laughs> yeah, at the moment, exactly. What else? I like, that's the biggest no like, insult. Insult. I, w- I um, want to. I want to give Lords of the Fallen a crack uh, at sixty. Yeah. Because I keep meaning to get back into it, and I played it for a little bit. And I'm like, ah. I and I don't know. I don't know if you know from the full list. Um, the Outer Worlds is that that was already updated. 
that that got a native a, a natural update from oh. uh, Obsidian themselves to run at sixty on it. Okay, on and what about? Sorry, I didn't mean the Outer Worlds. I'm an idiot. Um, uh, what about Outer Wilds or Outer Worlds? Outer Wilds. Sorry, that's the oh, one I'm thinking so of. I'm an idiot. Confused. I love it. No, you know, ah. that's confusing. I know. I always get those two mixed up, even though they're entirely different games. It's, I it, checked that the other day, and I didn't see an update. For uh, it. It's not. No, it's not in the list at the moment. But I've heard that that game is getting um, potential, some potential DLC. So it wouldn't surprise oh. me if at the same time they do some next gen updates or a whole new next gen version. So awesome, awesome! Because I'd love to have that at sixty. Yeah, and like it's very hard to go back to thirty. Like I've never really had heaps of games on thirty. Although, having said that, play a lot of Switch, and that's like 30 a lot. Handheld just feels different, so... Yeah, it's fine. All right, let's get into Swinney's segment. Yes. Over to you, Swinney. Yeah, so, essentially, um, I wrapped up Near Replicant this week, and, you know, as a big fan of the original game, um, it was awesome to go through, you know, last week... Was it last week or the week before? I can't remember. When I talked about my initial impressions... I didn't give any credit at all to Toy Logic, the actual developers behind uh, the upgrade. Um, they've done an amazing job, and just overall as a overall package, amazing. Um, I love what they've done. Um, the I think the one call out I had at the time was, I'll decide whether or not I think the decision to go with the brother protagonist over the father protagonist. I'll see how that pans out. And honestly, I still think the story has much more weight for me as if with the father protagonist. But it was nice to experience it in a slightly different way as well. So, but what I wanted to talk about today, you know, I know, you know, everyone knows that the game, you know, is apparently great and people that love Nia love it. But I want to talk about some stuff that I think they actually could have changed to make it even better. Um, so I'm not, you know, most of this stuff isn't going to be very controversial. Most of the people probably, oh, yeah, that would have made sense. But there's, there's one or two that I think some people may say, may not, you know, think, agree with as much, but... What I'm going to do is I'm going to do, do a bit of a countdown from the least important change to what I think would have been the most important change. So at the top, number 10, a change that would have been awesome would have been more quality of life improvements to the inventory management and the word edit uh, management. So Nia is not a game with a lot of different items, but it has a lot of farming materials. And the game, for anyone that knows or is familiar with it, um, those farming materials, there's, a, there's quite a big massive grind or farming um, process at the end of the game to essentially upgrade all the weapons you want. And there's no way to sort, there's no way to filter really any of those raw materials. And honestly, there's a pretty big list, so you're just constantly having to scroll through. So something that could have done there is just to yeah, allow you to even sort alphabetically, allow you to you know search. You know, Search is not something generally in RPGs, but at least sorting would have helped. So number nine uh, would have been to work the 15 Nightmares or World of Recycled Vessel content into the main game better. So the 15 Nightmares was a DLC that was uh, available with the original game. Um, And it's essentially kind of just a series of of like... uh, It's like waves of enemies and you just go through each level and you go through a door and then there's new, um, you know, waves of enemies and you get cool items from it. But... They worked this in, so it's part of the near replicant package, but they worked it in where it's actually required to play this if you want to see everything in the game. 
And what I think they could have done is actually work that in better. So it actually kind of made more sense in the narrative of the game. So it has like little pieces of text that pop up before each area that kind of alludes to stuff about the story of Nia, but it's very ambiguous, like a lot of the game, but even more so. And I think they could have done a lot better to work 15 Nightmares into the main storyline. So the next change, number eight, would have been more environmental changes with the passage of time. So in all the marketing materials, it's not a spoiler. You see that there's a a young Nia and there's an older Nia. That's like in all the marketing materials. So there's a passage of time in the game. And I think what would have been really, really cool is if they showed that the world has changed during that time a lot more. So there's little pieces here and there, but generally speaking, you run through areas and it looks exactly the same it did in the you know like in the early part of the game and in the latter latter part of the game and i think that would have been really cool to show more more impact from what's happened throughout that time so the next change i would have loved in number seven this is very specific for someone like me a completionist is changing the running and rolling speed dynamic so it sounds kind of weird but i'll give you an example that you might um understand a bit more into god do you remember with ocarina of time that the fastest way to get around <laughs> the whole place was just to roll all yeah, the time. so annoying. That's, ex- that's why I can't stand watching speedruns from that game. That's exactly how near is. The fastest way to ro- to get around is to roll everywhere. <laughs> I hate that. And they did, they did add the ability to run, which is kind of taken from near Automata, where you press the roll, and then if you hold it, you will get into running animation. But it's still slower than keep pressing the ro- rolling button again and again and again. And just imagine me playing that game for like 80 hours and outside of cutscenes, every single time I'm moving around, I'm mashing the right trigger all the time. And oh. all they could have done is just made it so that it, the running was the same speed as what the optimal rolling would have been. And it just would have made just just not having to mash the button all the time. Mm. So, Do you have a turbo controller, by the way, where you could map I, that? button and just keep you doing could, it. you could but uh <laughs> yeah you could you could use a turbo controller with it but um there's also a dynamic where for speed runners you know you actually do an attack in the middle of it and you chain it so that that's uh-huh. a bit different but the thing is there is actually speed run challenge in this game so it's mm. like yeah anyway um the next game is, the next change is to add more in-game supplementary lore to flesh out the wider narrative so a lot of the coolest stuff about Nia's story is not actually told in the game. Like, what's told in the game is cool, but a lot of it's like you see these these um, these terms and you're like, I don't understand what any of this is. And when you actually find out the wider narrative of what's happened and the history of, of the game's world, it's like, oh, that's really cool. And I think they could have added more stuff in that, more supplementary journals and stuff like that that could have just told that story better. Um, what, what I love, Swinney, is that it's a 64-hour game from a completionist point of view on how long to beat, and they're like, not not quite enough time to fit all of this stuff in. Yeah. Like, we, we don't have the space, boys. It's, look, it's cool, and, I'm, like, some of that stuff also got established after the game came out, and they've, they've worked some of that stuff in, right, which is cool, but... It just would have been cool to to learn a bit more about that. Uh, The next change would have been to add more new side content that aren't just fetch quests. So a lot of the side quests and side content in the are fetch quests. So I think it would have been really, really good. And they could have worked some of this supplementary lore into it to add new side content um, that doesn't mess with the structure of the main story that aren't fetch quests. So I think, look, any new content people are going to love. And what they did add in Nia, I, I really, really like. And first you like... 
I don't know if I like what they're doing here, but then it kind of pays off. So, um, but I think new side content would have been cool. The next change, number four, would have been a bigger variety of enemies and shades. So shades are the kind of the, the primary enemies you face in the game. And there are different, you know, there's about maybe about six different kinds of shades. Mm-hmm. I think that just, you know, as you said, it is a pretty long game when you want to see everything. And the shades all kind of have a similar look to them. So I think just a wider variety just would have made it just much more like you're fighting these things all the time. So I think just a bigger variety would have been better. Uh, the next one, and this is probably, I consider putting this the first most important one, but I think it's not as important as the others after, you know, spending a bit more time thinking about it, but is... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Can, can I just... So wait, this is number three, and then you just said this is not as important as all the other, <laughs> the other ones? No, or? no. I, the way I wanted to say it is I consider... You're bad with these lists. <laughs> I wanted to thank you for, you know, shitting over my work. <laughs> I No, I initially thought, to me, this is this is one of the most impactful from a storyline perspective. So I consider putting it number one. Oh, okay. That's yeah. better. Yeah, okay. So Go on. is a better establishment of Kaine and Emil's relationship. So I'm not going to spoil anything here, but you know, they're your two party members and they they are though their bond is very important to the themes and the story of the game. But and this is the same in the original, so they you know, they didn't improve it, is they essentially go from in one scene never know, have, have never never having met each other to the next scene being like having this really strong bond with each other. Mm. So it's just feel like, and what they, the work they do to build them up after that is great. I love it. But to me, they could have established their relationship in a much better way. Uh, It just feels so like, oh, we need to quickly make these people have a bond next scene. Bang. They're like, you know, best buddies. So it's just, it's, I think the people that play through a game might kind of, you know, when they think about it, think back on it, understand what i'm saying anyway the next uh the next one number two and i think this is probably the top of most people's list is a fairer drop rate for weapon materials so near the original near is very notorious for a lot of farming materials if you want to upgrade all the weapons and some of this stuff is like okay you've got a farm point that might appear 30 percent of the time and out of that 30 percent of the time it the thing you need appears to two percent of the time you know, and mm. so what that means is you will constantly just having to keep reloading your save each time to then see if the drop points appeared and then go to drop point and then if you're lucky you get it. Um and that's just those ones that are like drop points. Then there's the enemy farming where you're just going doing spending hours killing the same enemies over and over again. I think to remove that and change it, make it super easy, you know, probably would have you know, I I'm not saying that should have gotten rid of that but just make it a bit fairer for people so they're not wasting the same they're not wasting hours doing mindless stuff all the time but the number one and this might be the most controversial change so out of everything that i've mentioned i haven't changed anything you suggested any changes to the world or really the storyline much or anything like that but the biggest to me most undeveloped area of the game is the forest of myth area um it's a tiny little area and in this version of Near Replicant, they have, it is actually plays a much more important role than it ever did in the original game. So you essentially go in this little forest area with some some NPCs, and it's tiny. And it's just like, to me, they could have overhauled that area and made it much 
cooler, made it bigger, especially with how the more important role it plays, it could have just been much more to it. And you still could have quest, you know, I'm not going to spoil what it is, but it has a really, really unique quest line there that is unlike probably almost any other game that people have played, or at least the outside of a certain genre. But they could have done so much more. I think if they did a they could if they didn't overhaul the forest of myth, I think it just would have created a much more um complete game if that makes sense so Mm. to me they're the 10 changes none of them are like you know changing the story none of them are changing the gameplay these just you know things i think they could have done to make an awesome game even better yeah i think it's quite a lot of changes though i mean one could say that would even make near replicant version 2.718281828452845 dot 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 you were just waiting the whole segment to make that joke, were you? Pretty much. I was like, what number should I pick? That was Euler's number. I was like, what number should I pick? Should I do this one? You should have found the square root of like 1.75 or something. No, I was going to do that, but then I just like Euler's number. It's one of my favorite numbers. So, But um, no, very, very cool. It'd be interesting to see what people think about the number one, the complete overhaul of Forest of Myth area. Drop us a line. Tell us if he's a bit more right on this one compared to the Be tier nice. listing of Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> All right. Uh, Thanks well, that, for the segment. That was really good. That, that wraps us up for this week's show. Uh, as always, if you want to hit us up on social media, YouTube comments, uh, find us at Big Wig Pod. That's also at Gmail as well. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes. That always helps us. And check out next week's show where we'll be covering Bethesda's majestic epic, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Which Will is I the, finish it by then? <laughs> which is part Find of out. the game of some other year, 2011. That's right. You haven't finished the main quest, but you've no, been hundreds of hours in the game. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, bye-bye. See ya. Ciao.